This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust or is it <clears throat> a real POS? You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. This is the theme song for Eric Adams. Gotham City now, because it's just a hot mess. And I'm not just talking about the hot, sweltering, humid weather we've been through in the past two days. I'm talking about the always escalating crime. And the fact that Eric Adams does not seem to have a plan, the swagger man. It's almost like he threw in the towel on Thursday morning as he was interviewed on Fox 5, Good Day, Early Call, New York, when he said the following. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Oh, hold on. Uh, Can I hear that again, please? I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. What a spin this is. I mean, he was a police officer in the late 80s and 90s in the midst of the crack cocaine epidemic in his friend's mayoralty. David Dinkins was his mentor, even though he acknowledged that Rudy Giuliani was a better mayor, a law and order mayor, a tougher mayor. His friend David Dinkins was too soft when it came to crime. Under David Dinkins, the guy he supported, 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings. We are nowhere near that now. It's getting bad. We're beginning to fall into the abyss, Mayor Eric Adams. But I think it's time for the swagger man to come up with a plan instead of all of a sudden going no mas, no mas. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. What the hell is he talking about? (laughs) I got shot up in the summer of 1992. Five hollow point bullets. I wasn't alone. There were thousands of gunshot victims. You know, this is all a spin because he's lost control of this city. Because he never had a plan. 
And now he's trying to make it so that he's saying, oh, this is the toughest it's ever been. What a gargantuan job that I have to try to sort of wrestle all the pieces back and make it whole again. I got to listen to that one more time. I can't believe this. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. Madonamai, the chutzpah, the huevos, the culions, to even say that. And you see, like all politicians, Democrats and Republicans, they figure if you say it enough times, you're gullible enough as members of the general public to believe it. And let's face it, they're also actors. Politicians are actors. They're thespians. Uh, One of the reasons that some do better than others is that they act their way into office and then they try to act their way through problems. This is not going to work. This is not going to work. First off, let's compare what he has not done to what Mike Kumbaricic and WABC's Rudy Giuliani did do. And I don't have to speak for Rudy because earlier today, oh, you would have been so proud of Rudy Giuliani. Now, as you know, he's up there in years. He's in his late 70s. It was hot. It was sweltering. It was in the 90s. It was a schwitz out there. And Rudy Giuliani insisted on walking in the annual Israel Support the Israel Day Parade, which is back on track after being on hiatus because of the lockdown and pandemic for three years, three years. Rudy was magnificent. He was uh, waving to the crowd. The crowd, it treated him like Moses. They parted like the Red Sea because the Jewish crowd, predominantly Jewish crowd, remember how many times Rudy came to their assistance when they were under siege, when they were under attack. They put, they put the politics aside. I mean, clearly there were some people who uh, didn't like the association of Rudy with Trump. Uh, they were looking at Rudy the greatest mayor in our lifetime, and I mean, it was a cacophony of applause, cheers. I'd say about 95% of the people, but then there were the 5% of the people who were giving him the razz. And so he got to about 62nd Street and 5th Avenue. He was in the company of Andrew, who uh, both Rudy and I am supporting to win the Republican nomination to become the next governor of the state of New York. He's got a tough primary. you got four candidates you have uh, Congressman Lee Zeldin from Suffolk County. You have Bob Astorino, former county executive of Westchester. You have Wilson, who actually gave uh, uh, the uh, state controller a really good run uh, 10 years ago. Almost beat him, Tom DiNapoli. But he's been on the shelf for a while. So you got four solid candidates. And depending on the poll, Andrew Giuliani has been ahead of uh, most of them. And sometimes it's Zeldin slightly. But Rudy's been out there. He's been a dynamo for his son. So they're walking up and down. We're behind them, the contingent of guardian angels. And then all of a sudden, Rudy gets into it, man. There's some guy is selling him wolf tickets, talking about, oh, you know, real mayor Rudy, uh, uh, that's right, Eric Adams is better than you. And that just, Rudy exploded. He said, what are you talking about? Crime was down with me 55%. It's up 40% with him. So Rudy is like going ballistic. And the cops, they don't know what to do because Rudy had just finished shaking all the hands. The barricades couldn't hold Rudy back. He's going at the guy right there on Fifth Avenue and 62nd Street. And the crowd is cheering him on. 
And he's screaming at the guy. He goes, I reduce crime, you jackass. Oh, it's so good. And then as he was waving the Israeli flag walking up Fifth Avenue, he concluded by saying, you're probably as demented as President Joe Biden. Oh, it's so good. The crowd loved every second. Wow. He has not lost a beat. He's got the fire in his belly. I mean, look, he had every reason in the world not to be in that parade. He's got a bum knee. And, I mean, it was hot, hot, hot. And there were a lot of people who were expected to show but didn't show because uh, the weather was debilitating. But I got to tell you, I I hope you were out there to see the annual uh, Support the Israel Day Parade and notice all the electeds who weren't there. I certainly uh, took notes and checked it twice. All the fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi, so-called friends of Jews and the state of Israel who weren't there. I certainly noted that. But if you happen to be in the uh, line of march or if you happen to be on the sidelines and you saw exactly what transpired, feel free to give us a call here. At... Hmm. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. I bit my lip and my tongue. You know how they say, bite your tongue. If you don't have anything nice to say, remember my mother would say, if you don't have anything nice to say about somebody who has died, Curtis, bite your tongue. I was just about ready to say that, and I bit my lip and my tongue. Now, hopefully, uh, hopefully, Matt, on loan from the Frank Morano show, you will not have to do triage because I can already feel, I can already feel that the blood is erupting. And trust me, do not give me CPR. Don't give me lip-to-lip resuscitation. Uh, I don't need that. I'll handle it. I'd rather bleed out than have your damn lips on my lips. Um, We'll see how I get through this. But anyway, ladies and gentlemen, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's time to check out our Discronificator on the 50,000 pound for watts of sound on the AM side of our dial, the number one news talk station in the nation. Now that it is dusk, we're heard in 38 states, parts of Canada, and yes, even a portion of Europe, right down to Davy Jones's locker in the Bermuda Triangle. And so test out our discronificator because AM stands for active minded. 1 800 848 That's 1 800 848 WABC. Meantime, on the FM side, We have our Tower of Power way out in the Hamptons. But FM stands for feeble-minded, fornicating madly, free marijuana, and, of course, Frank Marano. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. But I will tell you that Rudy Giuliani was absolutely magnificent. Now, while all this was transpiring in the support, the Israel Day Parade, Crime was rampaging on through the subway. There has been a 200% increase in violent crime in the subway. If you don't control the turnstiles, if you don't control the flow of people in and out of the subway system, you will lose this war on crime. Let me give you a quick example of what happened earlier today. Just about at the time that the Support the Israel Day Parade started at 12 noon, there was a gunman on the Q train in lower Manhattan. And uh, he was sitting in the back car. Uh, There was no provocation. And all of a sudden, he pulled out his revolver based on the description of eyewitnesses. It looked like a thirty-eight. 
and he shot this commuter right in the chest, shot him dead right there, and then fled right on Canal Street. No cops on the platform again. Notice there's some synergy here. Remember, what was it, uh, six weeks ago, Frank James, the subway gunman? Remember who came in from Philadelphia, parked his van, and then took that end train as it pulled into the 36th Street Station in Sunset Park as he fired 10 shots, and luckily his gun jammed. Remember how there were no cops on the platform? There were no cops in the station? Well, guess what? Canal Street is a huge station. It is a, um, it is a, a, a total maze of different tunnels and alleyways. No cops in the station. So the gunman gets away. In fact, he was described as dark-skinned, heavy-set with a beard. That, that looks like the M.O. of most of these guys who are committing the crimes. I mean, let's face it, dark-skinned, heavy-set with a beard. Yeah, we see, we see the mug shots like every other day. And we haven't been told if, in fact, the uh, video cameras were working in the station. Because normally they would have video produced right away. If, in fact, the video cameras were working. But I have my doubts, and the reason I have my doubts is six weeks ago, if you remember, none of the cameras at 36th Street, a very busy station in Sunset Park, were working. In fact, we have found out that 10,000 cameras at 472 subway stations are supposed to be regularly checked. And repeatedly, there has been warning after warning that many of those cameras are malfunctioning. They continue to malfunction. In fact, Tom DiNapoli, the very state controller that I had mentioned previously, did an audit and found chronic failure to check or do maintenance on 31% of the cameras that we're paying for. That we're paying for. And they haven't done anything to improve the situation. You can go upstairs. Right there on 36th Street in Sunset Park, there's a whole slew of bodegas by immigrants, by illegal aliens. All their cameras always seem to work, but the MDA's cameras never work. And just to give you an idea of the preposterous nature of these expenditures, they just spent $30 million putting in 30 steps. Got it? 30 steps as part of a stairwell that leads from 42nd Street Broadway into the Times Square station. 30 million dollars anyway our number is 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-WABC so the q train killer is out and about he escaped and the people in the train knew that there was a problem because they were fleeing they were running from car to car they were saying there's a guy with a gun there there's a guy who just shot another guy no cops No cops in the subways, the moving subways. No cops on the platform. And at this moment, no video. Now, three have been killed in the subway so far. Ridership is 40% lower than it was this time last year. How the hell are you going to get office workers back into their offices, of which only 8% are occupied at this point, if you don't make it safe, especially for women? They are the predominant number of workers, They are the predominant number of riders of the subway and bus system. They are the predominant number of people who go to the restaurants, the bars, and especially who go to the nightclubs. Without women going to nightclubs, hey, guess what? There is no nightlife unless you just like people of your same sexual persuasion. There is no nightlife. Violent crime in the subways is up 200%. 
Nothing is being done. So what did the MTA say earlier today? The MTA stands for money-taking agency. They say they are losing $120 million in fare evasion in the first three months. The first three months of this year, $120 million. 31% of people who take the buses aren't paying. 12% of the subway riders are not paying. And they're going to lose half a billion dollars for the year, and there will be no more stimulus dollars to uh, resolve this situation from Joe Biden. We're on our own. Wave the white flag. No mas, no mas. So they put together a special blue ribbon panel to deal with this problem of fair evasion. Now, was Curtis Lee asked his opinion? Hell no. Was Rudy Giuliani, <laughs> who mastered the art of getting the police to stop fair invaders, was he asked his opinion? Hell no. So this is what the blue ribbon panel. And notice that whenever government puts together blue ribbon panels, it means they're not going to do anything. They're just trying to buy time. But these are their recommendations so far. They want new turnstile designs. How much is that going to cost? They want an educational campaign. They want cops to stand with leaflets at the turnstiles, explaining in 38 different languages why you should not be going over the turnstile, under the turnstile, or through the door with the alarm. (coughs) I'm sure that's going to have a real big effect on fair evaders. And they are demanding increased enforcement from the NYPD. Now, notice, they're putting the pressure on the NYPD. Well, what the hell is the NYPD going to do that is responsible for security of the subway system if, in fact, all five DAs, yes, all five of them in Staten Island, Brooklyn, Queens, Bronx, and Manhattan, especially uh, Alvin Bragg, will not prosecute fair evasion. They will not take the arrest. Now, subway workers... Right, subway workers, maintenance workers, trackling workers, conductors, motormen, and those in the um, token booths. Why would you have anybody left in the token booths, right? It's 2,500 deadbeats and slackers. Uh, I call it feather bedding. 2,500 people who lay up in the token booths. What the hell did they do in a token booth? There are no more tokens. And they just sit there and they watch crime being committed. And they do nothing. So subway workers have been instructed by the MTA, the money-taking agency, uh, that we are giving you helpful hints on how to count turnstile jumpers. Not stop them. Count them. Like it's the Irish sweepstakes, you know. Count all the horses. Like uh, Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby. Remember, there were 20 horses. You get to count all of the fair evaders. And now there's a memo to the Ralph Cramdens of the world of bus drivers as of Friday. Please, when somebody refuses to pay their fare, which 31% of the people refuse to pay their fare, most of them are in, believe it or not, Staten Island and the Bronx. Please politely state to the fare evader that you need to pay your fare. Now, how do you think that's going to work out? Well, what do you think took place on Thursday? There was a demonstration of the TWU Local 100 bus drivers who were claiming that they have been under attack by a lot of their passengers and they want cops on the buses. Man, this is completely out of control. Ladies and gentlemen, what, I repeat, what would you do? If you were a member of this special blue ribbon panel 
of the MNTA, the money-taking agency, that is desperately trying to resolve the situation of fare evasion and the rising violent crime rate, which has reached 200% since January 1st in this uh, term of Eric Adams. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Harriet, who's calling from Cheapset Bay. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Harriet. Uh, God bless you. You're the best. Uh, Curtis, this is an update. Um, 1,000 police officers are waiting. Uh, They do not want to take the poison poke, and Eric Adams has not made a decision yet. Now, also, uh, uh, there are 40 cadets in the Air Force. They are wanting to take a religious exemption. They don't want to take the poison poke, and uh, it's... we're very, very, very concerned about this. My father was a veteran, you know, my father. And uh, these people should be able to have the right not to follow this stupid mandate. And let me give you an update, Curtis. Uh, Robert Malone, who was the uh, inventor of this technology, the mRNA, he is uh, suing Pfizer, Moderna, AstraZeneca for fraud. Uh, well, look, 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 he, he can knock... He can knock himself out suing for fraud because they're, they've been made immune, especially Pfizer and Johnson & Johnson, which accepted the fast-track money of then-President Donald Trump. Moderna did not. So maybe you can sue Moderna. But Pfizer is immunized. Johnson & Johnson immunized. Let's deal with what you said first, Harriet, which is that there are 4,000 cops who were refused to be vaccinated. They have been warned three times now by human resources at one police plaza that they are going to be fired. In fact, they were supposed to be fired by May 1st. There's only 35,000 cops on the force. You need at least 40,000 cops. There are already 5,000 cops down because of early retirement and retirement. And guess where they're going? Florida. <laughs> Florida, (laughs) or they're being hired by other venues and other jurisdictions at double the pay with nowhere near as many headaches and in many places where they can actually be cops, where they don't have to be handcuffed when they're out there patrolling either solo or with a partner. So this is the interesting thing that has transpired. They've been given a stay in terms of being fired because the mayor... You know, rough and tough. I'll fire you. You have healthcare workers, teachers, firefighters, sanitation men. You're fired. You get that. You get that. That vaccine, or you're fired. Tough noogies. And remember, when you're fired for not getting your vaccine, there is no unemployment. That's it. You lose everything. People have already lost their houses. They've lost their equity. It's bad enough with Joe Biden's inflation of 401k is a 201k. But even that has been obliterated. These people have been devastated. These were the heroes. These were the people who went into the belly of the beast after the lockdown, the lockdown of March of 2020. These were the people, remember, we all came out of our houses at 7 o'clock at night. We gave a standing ovation. You know, like uh, all of a sudden it was at Lincoln Center. Bravo, bravo, fortissimo, bravo. Right, right. They were the heroes. And they were. And many of them died. Many of them got sick. Many of them brought the coronavirus back to their families. And some of them got sick and some of them died. Eighty percent of those who ended up going into the ICU at that time, the ER, didn't come out. Remember Andrew Evil Ice Cuomo? Ventilators. Put them on the ventilators. No. That's almost guaranteed death. 
Oh, by the way, Andrew Eberwein's Cornwall surfaced uh, today at a church in Buffalo where he was acting like he was the governor. He, I guess he doesn't get it. He's no longer the governor. But anyway, I digress. So let's look at this particular situation. Think of it. 4,000 cops are going to be fired. But you see, Eric Adams knows he can't pull the trigger. So now they're delaying. They're delaying. Because they know we're going through a long, hot summer. Crime is already horrifically going up. Even Eric Adams is not so pompous and arrogant and obstinate and stubborn to say fire 4,000 cops because he needs these 4,000 cops. So they figured a way to delay, delay, delay. But how unfair is that? Because you need the cops, you're not firing them, but all the other brave, heroic civil servants that I marched with, I demonstrated with, I came across the Brooklyn Bridge with and said, this is such a disgraziata, this is such a shanda. They're on the skids. They're fired. There is no return for them. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Peter, who's calling from Staten Island. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Pete. Hi, Kurt. In Staten Island, when they get on a bus, I'm the only one paying a fare. Like that. They get on, they, I only got a $50 bill, they tell the uh, driver. So and one day I decided to be a little smart aleck myself. I changed him 50, so I gave the guy the change. Got off at the ferry, and he told me what a smart dope I was, you know. And he put his hands up. That was a little mistake for him, because at 66 years old, I could still do a beatdown. You're not as good as you. You're the best. You're my idol. I saw you in the city with the guardian angels patrolling the subways and keeping me safe when I was working as a agent. Well, let me and let I me let me let me tell you let me tell you how bad it is, Peter. Highland Boulevard, which has the express buses, naturally they're paying on the express buses. But we're talking about the buses that go stop to stop, not the special uh, service buses that go express. We're talking about the regular rundown MTA money-taking buses. People are not paying on Highland Boulevard. They're not paying in other parts of Staten Island. They're not paying on 3rd Avenue in the Bronx. They're not paying on Fordham Road. They're not paying on Pelham. It's an incredible number of people who refuse to pay the bus driver. And now the MTA, the money-taking agency, is telling the bus drivers that they have to tell the fare evaders, you have to pay the fare. And what's going to happen? You don't let them physically engage. You won't allow them to defend themselves. But because you don't have a plan, the swagger man don't have a plan, the MTA don't have a plan, they just have press conference after press conference after press conference. I'll tell you why it is so important to stop fare evaders. One out of seven, when they are stopped, have outstanding warrants for serious crimes committed. One out of 20 have been found on their person with weapons and box cutters. They typically get used in crimes. So that that point of interdiction is the turnstile. Now, Eric Adams has a problem because when he was running for mayor in the Democratic primary in a very crowded field in ranked choice voting where uh, 12 of those uh, individuals were moving to the left and he was sort of in the center, he advocated free fare. He actually advocated in a video and written interview with New York Magazine that people should not have to pay their bus and subway fare. And you say to yourself, how the hell do you accomplish that? How are you going to subsidize the loss of the fare? He didn't know. He just he got props, right? What the hell? 
didn't make sense. Obviously, it would make it really difficult for public security, public safety, because anybody could go in and out of the subway or the buses then. But let's face it, there were some people who heard that, yeah, Eric Adams for free fare, free subway, free bus. You don't even need it now because you just don't pay the fare. You don't need an official policy. 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to Matthew calling from Flushing. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Matt. Yeah, Curtis, uh, I had an idea, but I don't know. <clears throat> I, I think there's a way of beating the uh, beating the system with the stab beating business. Uh, and, and it may sound crazy, but I'm going to let you know anyway how I feel about it. Um, I think maybe passing the tax, a tax on everyone, and doing away with the turnstiles and everything else, and just let the people, like the bridges, for example, they did away with the toll collectors. And now you just drive right through. And um, Well, well now, good. hold on. Hold on. Hold your horses, mm-hmm. Matthew. It sounds good, but what did they just announce? That people are covering their license plates so that when they're going through those fair detectors on the bridges, whether it's a Port Authority bridge, whether it's the Triborough Authority, whether it's an MTA bridge, they're beating the, the, the clip. So, I mean, we're talking thousands of people now who are not paying. So they say they're going to crack down on that. All the illegal plates, the paper plates. And I'm not talking about a paper plate you have cake on or a slice of pizza. You see all these jadrules riding around, right, with paper plates, like for six months, eight months, nine months. You know it's a stolen vehicle. Stop the damn thing. Do a stop and frisk. <gasps> stop and frisk. Oh, my God. You can't do that. The guy has paper plates. He's had paper plates on his car. He has Texas plates. He has Pennsylvania plates. They're falling off. Can't stop them. We don't want a situation to occur. We don't want these young men with high levels of testosterone to all of a sudden get rambunctious and create a situation with the NYPD. Let them create a situation. The difference between Rudy Giuliani, who took on those um, guys selling wolf tickets at the parade today, and Eric Adams says he would tell the cops, I got your back. Stop those cars. Toss them. Search them. Stop and frisk. That'll put an end to this. But instead, they need a blue ribbon panel, a commission of the very elite, the creme de la creme, to figure out what the hell to do about fair evasion. I'll tell you, when we come back, I don't wear blue. I wear red. So for me, it would have to be a red ribbon panel, a panel of just one. I'll give you my suggestions of how to get control of this situation without the outrageous, uh, lunatic uh, suggestions that have been made by the MTA, the money-taking agency, Eric Adams, the Eric Adams administration, and the lost the lost generation in city council who basically just wants to hand uh, our city over to the thugs and thugettes. Oh, by the way, I have an opportunity this week to surpass Frank Morano in the ratings race. Right now, Frank Morano is number one, second to none. He is rated at 20. Uh, I'm rated at 17. Everybody else trails here at WABC. Uh, I've been given the opportunity to speak to all of you for brunch and lunch Monday through Friday. So you'll hear Bill Riley in just a few hours at 12 noon doing his 15-minute update. And then it'll be yours truly, Curtis Sliwa, for 45 minutes. Taking a, a slice out of what Ed Conch used to do after he was mayor. 
And when Rudy uh, was elected, Ed Koch became the mid-morning host. He did 45 minutes, and then Paul Harvey did 15 minutes. It was the highest-rated show at WABC, surpassing Rush Limbaugh from 12 to 3. And my kumbadichich, make that my, my mentor, the king of talk radio, Bob Grant, who was on from 3 to 7. A year later, in typical Ed Koch fashion, he got angry with Rudy. He embraced out Slim Shady Sharpton. His ratings went into the abyss. Uh, but as Paul Harvey would say, now you know the rest of the story. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. WABC. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Do you have a point of sale system you can trust, or is it... <clears throat> A real POS. You need Shopify for retail. From accepting payments to managing inventory, Shopify POS has everything you need to sell in person. Go to shopify.com slash system, all lowercase, to take your retail business to the next level today. That's shopify.com slash system. The founder of the Guardian Angels. The group dedicated to fight crime. On the streets of New York and on the air right now. Curtis Lewa on 77 WABC. The theme song for the Honeymooners. And it was... uh, Jackie Gleason, bus driver, remember? Well, can you imagine Jackie Gleason as a bus driver now? He could not have anger management situations. There have been so many attacks on bus drivers that the unions are now asking Eric Adams to put police officers on the bus. Yeah, yeah, knock yourself out, pal. You ain't getting that. You know what you better do? You better do what the real in-life Jackie Gleason did, which was flee to Florida. Remember to Miami Beach. Come on down to Miami Beach. Check this out. While all this mishigash is taking place in New York, we have a budget statewide of $225 billion, $100 billion in New York City, and Florida in DeSantis land has a budget with a bigger population of slightly more than $100 billion. And guess what? 36 million people visited Florida between January and March. That was an increase of 10 million tourists from just last year. You think Americans know where they want to go? And it ain't to New York City. Walking around the city today before the annual Support the Israel Day Parade and afterwards. All right, it was hot. It was uh, sweltering. It was humid. Didn't stop Rudy Giuliani, I'll tell you that much. Oh, (laughs) he was fiery. So proud of Rudy. But anyway, it's dead. It's dead. The city is dead. It is morbid to see the lack of traffic, the lack of pedestrians, the lack of tourists. And it's not COVID-19 any longer. And no, it's not monkeypox. Monkeypox, we can't come to New York. No, we'll talk about that later on. Before I pass off to 50,000 powerful watts of sound to Dominic Carter. And boy, I've got a few bones to pick with him. That sickle fan, Tony and Lackey of Frank Morano. Oh, man. I got him. I got him. 
And then uh, the most requested, the most listened to, the most called-in segment of the many segments I do over the weekend with WABC. The acronym stands for Always Broadcasting, Curtis. Coming up with my uh, beautiful wife, Nancy, the animal rescuer par excellence, who will tell you what a caller had asked me between 3 and 5 earlier today about the monkeys who escaped that 18-wheel tractor trailer when it turned over in Pennsylvania. And then sharpshooters were killing the monkeys because they were infected. And the question is, were they infected by orders from Fauci headquarters and the CDC like they do in labs all throughout the United States and over in Asia and in North Africa and other places where we subcontract that to? Did they have monkeypox? The Pennsylvania caller was very specific, and I know that my wife Nancy, whose mother, my mother-in-law, lives in Milford, Pennsylvania, so she's there on a regular basis. In fact, did do a deep dive. She will bring that information to the forefront tonight because it is pertinent from 11 to 12. 36 million people visited Florida from January to, to March. 10 million more than last year. How many people visited New York City? Ugats, Bubkis. Look at the hotels, how empty they are. Not even Anthony Weiner, my partner on Saturdays, he's on from 2 to 4, said that his brother, who had one of the best restaurants in New York City, had to close his doors after 17 years because he can no longer pay the bills. There's just not enough foot traffic. So I tell you, uh, I'm putting together my own red ribbon panel, a panel that consists of me, myself, and I, because nobody knows the subways and the streets better than yours truly. First off, you got to fix all the surveillance cameras and then put them in each of the 6,200 subway cars. Why shouldn't there be a camera in each moving subway car? They would have caught the guy shooting the commuter earlier today on the Q train. Also, there was an old codger, 73, who was on an A-train, and a punk teenager punched him out in the subway car of the A-train. There is no identification of this teenage punk. If there were a camera in each car, we'd know now who it is. We need cops visible on the trains moving, walking up and down. And they got to wear their hats. You notice a lot of these cops, they like to be like John Travolta. They don't want to wear their hats. How else do you identify a cop in a crowd? It's the hat. If a guardian angel didn't wear the red beret, you wouldn't be able to identify a guardian angel in the crowd. Orders from a headquarters, one police plaza. The order has to be, if you're a cop, you put the freaking hat on, you don't take it off. That's how the bad guys and bad gals recognize you. But more importantly, people get a sense of relief and calm and they feel safe. When they see a police officer, but sometimes the only way to identify the police officer is when they wear their police cap. Because some of these police officers, you need an electron microscope. You need to put red dye on them. They're such shorty shorts. You look, you still can't see them when they're right in front of you. You're looking down and you say, wow, is there a height requirement here? I mean, are you in elementary school or junior high school? Because you don't even look like you're an adult. Never mind your height. You got that baby face. You know, they don't look like those old Irish cops. You know, hey, go ahead, hit me, and I'll hit you twice. So hard your mother will feel the vibrations, right? You say, oh, that's abusive. That's over the top. Let me tell you, 
Some of these cops I see now with the baby face, yeah. Up against the wall. No. What are you going to do about it? Now, <laughs> baby face has no chance in that situation. That's why they got to partner up. You got to have three or four cops together. Used to be a cop would patrol by themselves. Even Eric Adams, to his credit, said when he first became a transit cop for the first 10 years of his 22 years as a cop, would go out on solo patrol in the transit system. That's what you have to do. And you got to go into the projects. You got to do verticals going up and down in the stairwells because the thugs and the thugettes rule the projects. And if you don't kick them out of the stairwells, they are going to mug the people who live in the projects and they are going to mug all those delivery guys and delivery gals, which they do on a regular basis, and then beat the living daylights out of them and steal everything that they got. Being a delivery person in New York City now is the most dangerous job in New York City. You are risking your life every time you go on a delivery in certain zip codes and certain locations. That's why a lot of people who live in the projects, when they call in their order, they say, hey, look, I'm going to sweeten it up. I know you don't want to come here. Hey, you got 10 extra bucks there. Now, I'm going to be very generous with the tip because nobody wants to come and deliver food here. And I got sick kids here. And I go out to the store, but I, and I understand that. It used to be right by the Astoria Projects, Ravenswood, and uh, the largest public housing projects in the United States, Queensbridge, in the shadow of the Ed Koch Bridge, Carolyn Maloney. And it used to be Chicken Delight. Don't cook tonight. Call Chicken Delight. And all the Chicken Delight delivery guys, because it was only guys at that time. I'm not going into the projects, and people in the projects didn't know that, so they said, psst, tell you what, you get $2. Back then, right? The 60s. Wow. $2 was a lot. You could fill up your your tank with gasoline. Not now. You can't even get a drip. Pretty soon, Joe Biden will be rationing gasoline. Just an update on all of that. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Laura calling from Forest Hills. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Laura. Curtis, thanks for all that you do. So sorry that you're not mayor. And if they wanted their red ribbon, <laughs> you know, you should be on there as well as Giuliani. They know what what works. They know why won't they do this? There's obviously another agenda. And I'm so glad that you're exposing Eric Adams. You know, of course, we're all cheering for him. We want him. Of course, we, want, we don't want the city to go of down. Of course, but, you we, know, we it, want him to be a success. Oh my. Of course we do. It's our survival. Here. But now, now, now let know. me give you. Let me digress for a second, Laura. Talking about blue ribbon panels, you remember when Rudy was mayor, Michael Mbaricic then and always, uh, he was battling the Brooklyn Museum because we were subsidizing some of their art exhibitions with taxpayer money, and one of the exhibitions had the Blessed Mother Virgin Mary, the, the, the schmeared. Remember with elephant tongue. And uh, Rudy Giuliani said, hell no, not on our dime. We're not paying for that. And all the artsy farts, he said, oh, you're violating freedom of expression. He said, no, <laughs> you have freedom of expression on your dime, not the taxpayer's dime. Oh, he's a Neanderthal. You know, he is, uh, he is uh, a dictator. So he put together a art panel, a blue ribbon art panel. Somebody's got to call up and ask Rudy about this uh, on the air. I was the last man standing on his blue ribbon art panel. Everybody else quit. You know, they were so intimidated. Oh, God. 
Who's a fascist? He wants to do away with all art. And so the New York Times called me and they said, why are you holding on, Sliwa? Why aren't you submitting your resignation papers? I said, because uh, I have valid credentials. You, you street urchin, what do you know? I know the difference between a Michelob and a Michelangelo. They didn't get the joke. You know, they have no humor there. What an outrage! And then finally Rudy came to me, it's over. No, no, Rudy, I refuse to resign. There's no more art commission. There's no more blue ribbon panel. Rudy, I will be the last man standing. Uh, It's over, Curtis. It's over. On to the next battle. Let's go to Caroline calling from Manhattan. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Caroline. Oh, hi, Curtis. I was calling. I really think that they should refund the NYPD and give them $2 billion and put a lot more cops on that are trained right and things start to work right. With Eric Adams, Kathy Hochul, and Adam Bragg, you are not going to get anywhere. This city will remain in the same situation it's been in for the last eight years with de Blasio and how he can show his face to want to run in the 10th oh. district is absolutely oh, absurd. Oh God, God, Caroline, I don't understand Caroline. why people don't scream and carry oh, on. They did. They did. Too bad you weren't there on Fifth Avenue for the support the Israel Day Parade. This man has no shame. Comrade Bill de Blasio, who was the part-time mayor who single-handedly destroyed the city that we love. He was marching in the parade. Because he has announced he wants to be the congressman of the 10th Congressional District. Brand new. Anybody but de Blasio. In fact, tomorrow, no, in just a few hours, just a few hours, when you're listening to me during lunchtime, brunch time from 12.15 to 1, don't miss it. Because if I get a credit for that rating point, one per day, that will put me at 22 rating points Two points ahead of Frank Morano. I will be the ratings leader here at WABC. I will be the king that rules the roost. Not Frank Morano. But anyway, the point being is, I will announce what is happening at 12 noon on Monday. A campaign that will say anybody but de Blasio for the 10th Congressional District. I mean, anybody. Homeless guy, right? Anybody. God, that guy was walking. People were screaming invectives at him in Yiddish. You schmendrick. You pisser. Oh, my God. There were words I can't even repeat because even the FCC knows what those Yiddish words mean. You know, George Carlin couldn't protect me with his HBO documentary. No, 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 no. And yet he walked. He was totally oblivious, just waving to people. And they were taking the matzo balls and some of the old uh, altacacas, you know, the, 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 the Zetas and the boobies. They were saying, gee, too bad I, I, I didn't bring the sinkers. I have the floaters here. They would have taken those matzo balls and thrown it right in his head. And, you know, he, he would have got conked and he would have been oblivious. He would have still been waving. These politicians, they have no shame. They really don't have any shame. Oh, Rudy was magnificent. God, he took on 5% of the crowd, was giving him grief, said, yeah, yeah. He tried to go over the police barrier at 62nd and 5th. He's schmitzing. It's hot. The cops are saying, Rudy, calm down. Don't worry. He goes, I got this. (laughs) I got this. (laughs) And I told the cops, leave him alone. He's got this, right? I said, all right, we know, Curtis. Oh, he took care of that guy. 
I think that guy's still running. He's still running. Anyway, our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to, um, ooh, original Rick. Is this original Rick James from Buffalo? Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Rick. Well, wait, wait. No, it's, it's, it's original Rick from Jersey. Oh, Jersey Rick. Okay, Rick. Yeah, oh, I'm sorry to disappoint you. Anyway, Curtis, you got me all confused. I call you at 3 in the morning. I call you at 3 p.m. Now, what time is it? I mean, do you ever go home? No. It's Curtis Lee with time. My job is to stay awake and to keep the dial so in- intense that you can't go to sleep. You can't. And it's not insomnia. You're not becoming an insomniac. It's just that the topics flow. The music is like chimed in and you feel energized. You feel resurrected. You don't feel like a dragon, like you're a poo pot, like you just drank a whole bottle of prune juice. Well, you keep me up at three in the morning. That's for sure when I'm talking to you. Oh, thank you. Thank anyway, you. anyway, uh, about the, I, I got laid off on March uh, 14, 2020, because of the pandemic. It closed Broadway, so I couldn't go to work. And I haven't been back since. What is, I used to go to Penn Station every day. What's it like now if I were to, if I were to go back? Is it like land of the living dead? No, uh, it, it, it has had a few accoutrements. Let me, let me paint the picture for you. Imagine uh, one flew over the cuckoo's nest without Jack Nicholson, who also is from New Jersey, uh, and also Dante's Inferno. The further down you go into the bowels of Penn Station, the more of the emotionally disturbed persons who are embedded, embedded into every one of those alleyways. It's a maze. And yet... You go right across the street under the post office where they spent billions to build that brand new Moynihan uh, station, which is a real waste. They don't let any of the homeless or emotionally disturbed people there. They keep them all in the old Penn Station to torture people like you, original Rick. <laughs> yeah, I know. It, it, yes, I know. Uh, uh, okay, well, now I know there's another reason why I don't want to go back. Well, well, thing. look, it, it would have behooved Eric Adams. You can't undo all the problems that, let's face it, Comrade de Blasio laid on us in eight years. But all he had to do was just take one project like Penn Station. It's doable. It's uh, basically four square blocks. You could have put a coalition of the federal cops who do nothing there, the state troopers who do nothing there, the MTA cops who do nothing there, the NYPD cops who do nothing there, not because they don't want to, but they've been told not to engage, not to interact, not to be proactive. He could have cleaned up those four square blocks, and Rick, he would have been a hero. People, 700,000 people a day go in and out of Penn Station. They would have seen it for themselves. Not just local people who come in from the subway, but people who come in from New Jersey Transit, the Long Island Railroad, Amtrak, Celia. They would have said, wow, this guy's really making a difference. He lost it. The swagger man had no plan. He was more interested in raising the roof, partying hardy, going to Club Zero Bond, and stimulating nightlife by hanging out with the, the uh, TikTok girls and keeping up with the Kardashians. He, he, he could have seized the moment, but he didn't, Rick. No, I know. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah that's his, that's his uh, MO. You no, know, no, you know no, Rick, no, Rick no. it would behoove him. You look at the stats. Uh, crime is up 40% from 
even any of the eight years of Bill de Blasio, this one gets hung on Eric Adams. He has had dinners with Shamu El Hefe Chris Christie. He has had two dinners with uh, Andrew Evilage Como. I don't know what he got out of those dinners, but I, I tell you, these were not crime fighters. I mean, uh, uh, Chris Christie, when he was U.S. attorney uh, in Newark, went after white-collar criminals, political criminals. He did a great job of that. But he wasn't known for battling street criminals. Rudy is. All he's got to do, Eric Adams, on the slide, not at the Club Zero Bond, but on the slide, and I know Rudy would adhere to this, uh, and sit down with Rudy 45 minutes to an hour, and Rudy would partake with him, would give him information of what he utilized to get control of the city. Remember, Rudy just sat with the January 6th Congressional Committee for nine hours, and they had to tell him, stop, Rudy, stop, stop talking, go home. No, no more, Rudy. You know, Rudy, uh, no, we got other things to talk about. Smartmatic, this, that, oh, Arizona, oh, no, Pennsylvania. You know, Rudy gets carried away. So the committee chairwoman, uh, Cheney, has no more, Rudy, stop, no more. We've had nine hours with Rudy could talk about crime fighting like nobody else could. He's got the credentials. Who else took the crime capital of America, New York, the murder capital of America, when David Dinkins left office? 2,000 murders a year. That's, can I hear what Eric Adams had to say? I, I can't believe he said that the other day on Good Day Early Call New York on Channel 5. I, I want to hear that. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. What the hell is he talking about? He was a cop during the days of crack when Dinkins was mayor. 2,000 murders. We don't come anywhere near that. 5,000 unsolved shootings. We don't come anywhere near that. As bad as it's getting now, it pales in comparison. You see, this is the new spin. But this is bad also, I'll explain it. Play it one more time, Charlie, one more time. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level. And the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. This is why that was bad. I, I understand he's trying to put the spin. It's worse than any mayor has ever had to deal with wrong. But now, what a mixed message. I want you to come back to the office buildings. I want you to come uh, and enjoy nightlife, restaurants, bars. I want you to come to Broadway, off-Broadway, all good things. Tourists, I want you to come to New York, right? And then you say something this stupid. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level. And the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. Hey, by the way, how's that campaign working with those billboards trying to convince gay and lesbians to come back to New York because of the don't say gay bill in Florida? How's that working out? No takers. (laughs) No takers. They're staying in DeSantis land. Again, check the analytics. 36 million people went to Florida between January and March. Some of them are not coming back. (laughs) They went out as tourists for a vacation. They love the freedom. They loved what you can do in Florida that you can't do up here in the tri-state area. And they probably, with limited, because there's limited rentals now, limited condos, limited uh, houses for sale. I mean, it's really, the demand is incredible and the supply is limited. 
10 million more than the same time last year. What are, what are our figures here in New York? How many people are visiting New York City? How many people are staying in hotels? How many tourists are coming? We always used to be able to count that in years past. Look, it's not good. We should publicize it. But you cannot have your mayor speaking out of both sides of his mouth, encouraging people to come back to work, come to New York City, come as tourists, see for yourself, and then all of a sudden saying it's never. One more time, Charlie. One more time, please. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. How did we end up with 2,000 murders a year under your friend Dinkins? You know, they weren't ice pick murders. They weren't toothpick murders. They were mostly people who were murdered by being shot. Bad strategy all around, man. Look, this would be my suggestion. Uh, By about January, no, excuse me, January. Uh, By about July 4th. Uh, July 4th uh, celebration, I'm sure Macy's will be putting on its extravaganza over the East River. I think uh, Eric Adams should regroup, regroup with his staff, take a big deep breath and just focus on public safety, crime, subways, streets, parks. Just focus completely on that. No more press conferences. None of these endless interviews in which he gets tongue-tied. He ends up saying things like he just said there that makes no sense, that defeats everything else he's trying to say to encourage people to come to work in these empty office buildings. Only 8% of the office space is now occupied. Only 8%. How how are taxes going to be paid? Who's going to be able to subsidize a $100 billion budget? And by the way, the billion dollars that was taken out of the de Blasio budget from the police department was never put back. Maybe if Eric Adams would say, I'm putting the billion dollars back hooker by crook, we can start getting back on track and taking our city back. The subways, the streets, the parks, the schools. Check this out. No one knows New York better. The founder of the Guardian Angels, Curtis Lewa. And you can't compete against that. On 77 WABC. You know, this was done by a Frenchman in the age of disco. Patriotic song. Can you imagine a patriotic song now from grunge rockers? Come on. Really? I'm really? I mean, pump it up here. A Frenchman created this. I would be out on the dance floor, churning, whirling. Oh, just till the break of dawn. And everybody would say, Patrick Jouvet, a Frenchman, wrote this patriotic song about America? Well, it was the French, as a gift to America for our freedom and democracy, gave us the Statue of Liberty in our harbor. And let's not forget, without the French, we'd still be bowing to the Union Jack and kissing the arse 
of the Queen Mother. Lafayette, we are here, right? Do it, do it. Oh, and there were a lot of patriotic, uh, flag-waving Americans today at the Salute to Israel Day Parade, led by Michael Bonacic, Rudy Giuliani. Boy, he had fire. That's going to be the big story in the morning, but you got an hors d'oeuvre of that. Point being is, you had a lot of supporters of the state of Israel flying the Israeli flag and flying the American flag side by side. But then on one side, you had a group supporting AOC, all out crazy, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez and the squad. Because as you know, they hate Israel and they love and support their adversaries. Well, I'm not going to talk about the Middle East. I'm not going to talk about uh, the situation of AOC and the squad going against Israel. I'm going to talk about a $38 billion budget that we have out of $100 billion in New York City for the Department of Education. Dumbest organization ever. That's what the acronym stands for. And they really are dumb. $38 billion out of a $100 billion total budget, now managed by David Banks. Let's give him a chance. Because he is inheriting an absolute Michigash mess. But he's already apparently signed on. Now get this. This is going to knock your socks off, ladies and gentlemen. Calm down. I know it's hot out there. I know it's a schwitz. I know you have high blood pressure. Maybe you ought to take your high blood pressure pills first. There is a book that will be circulated come September in the school system of New York City, the public school system, not the charter schools, not the parochial schools, not the yeshivas, not the Catholic schools, not the private schools, but a book intended for 10 and 11-year-olds, which glorifies socialist Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, AOC, all out crazy, and her far-left squad. It knocks religion and mocks Republicans. And it's being distributed to public school libraries at our expense. At our expense. David Banks... I know you're mired in a lot of difficult problems having to deal with these humongous issues of a $38 billion budget that is too, too, too much money being spent. But you got to make this a priority. This is the name of the book, What You Don't Know, A Story of Liberated Childhood. Maybe I'll volunteer to go into the classroom, you know, for my sons. You know, it's Carter. He's going to be going to high school. So this this is for junior high school. My son, uh, Hunter, is going to junior high school. Hey, Daddy wants to come read the book to all the kids there in the uh, junior high school. What you don't know in a story of liberated childhood. It was written and illustrated by Brooklyn Knight, of course, Anastasia Higginbotham. And it appears on a fifth grade reading list labeled Universal Mosaic. The Department of Education's new Mosaic curriculum is kicking off with the start of the new school year after Labor Day. The picture book centers on a black child who talks about fitting in at school and church and a friend who's queer, just like me. The boy's name is Demetrius. He's shown in a church where he says, Churches can preach all they want about love. The only thing that I feel when I'm in here is shame. The boy's spirit meets Jesus, who is a Democrat. <laughs> I, 
I didn't know that Jesus was a Republican or a Democrat. But with our taxpayer dollars, with a bloated $36 billion budget, we're going to be giving fifth graders and sixth graders and seventh graders a book that says that Jesus, Jesus is a Democrat. Who tells people that you need to love and you need to be loved. And the distressed-looking boy points to an unnamed white man who is your typical Republican and says, even, and Jesus replies, yes, even him, Satan. Higginbotham, the authoress, uh, said that the white man was modeled after Mitch McConnell. And that, yes, it is in a Catholic church. Quote, that's Mitch McConnell, and the child wants to know if even Mitch McConnell is invited to love and be loved, considering all the harm he is causing. The Jesus figure, who is a Democrat, says, yeah, you you have to love Mitch, too. And the kid goes, nah, 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 I don't want to. You know, he's got to take a time out. Go to the principal's office. Lock him up in the closet. Oh, wait a second. He came out of the closet. He announced that he was gay. You see, I'm getting confused here. I'm getting vertical. The narrative later on goes on to preach, we will rewrite the rules we live by and love the world into balance. How do you love the world into balance? You go into the middle of the battlefield there in eastern, you know, Ukraine, and you say, I'm going to uh, love the world by balancing a stop. Don't fire on one another, Russians and Ukrainians, Putin, Zelensky. Let's live and let live. That ain't happening. So apparently in the book, there is an illustration of the boy watching television with his parents. Naturally, they're watching Netflix specials. And depicted on the TV screen and named in the book are U.S. representatives Rashid Talibi, Ayanna Presley, Ilhan Omar, and of course, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, who is the princess of the book and can do no wrong. <laughs> so kids will have AOC instead of ABCs, and it won't be called social studies any longer. It'll be socialist studies. And you think I should volunteer in my son Hunter's class to come in and read this book in my own inimitable fashion? Remember the name of the book, ladies and gentlemen. You're paying for it. It is part of the curriculum of the Department of Education with a $38 billion bloated budget. DOE stands for Dumbest Organization Ever. What you don't know, a story of liberated childhood. <laughs> what are we liberating them from? Oh, life is so difficult in America, right? Hey, how'd you like to be a kid in the Congo or Nigeria getting monkeypox? Yeah, we'll talk about that momentarily. Hey, that's a rough life. Have any of you been in Nigeria like us, right? I have. That's a rough life. America, yeah, it's got some rough edges. Nothing compared to the way it is, especially in third world countries. Now, the authoress wrote another controversial book, which apparently we're paying for also. <laughs> it's called Not My Idea, about a child who connects to the opportunity and their responsibility to, of course, dismantle white supremacy. Because white supremacy is the biggest danger that America faces in 2022. What the hell is a kid in fifth grade going to know about this? Well, Hunter, Hunter's pretty bright, my son. He's going to look at me like, really? 
Can I just go out and play soccer? No. Stand here and be indoctrinated. Then she's got another one. The bell rang for kindergartners that discusses slavery and, quote, I'm not a girl about being transgender, which was on a first grade reading list under de Blasio. First graders sitting there, right? They have the book on their desk. I'm not a girl about being a transgender. Imagine when you were in first grade. <laughs> it's like Jack and Jill went up the hill. Oh, wait a second. No, that's a bit pornographic. <laughs> you know, pregnancy came about with that. We didn't have sex education until junior high school. Then we were putting a condom on the Chiquita banana. Remember, that was it. That was the totality of sex education. A first grader is going to be reading a book, I'm Not a Girl, about being transgender, transgender, and then being told that they could identify who they are at any given moment. One minute they're a female, next minute they're a male, next minute they're a pansexual, next minute they're an asexual. Whatever they happen to feel like at that moment, if they decide I'm a pansexual this hour, you must refer to me as a pansexual. First grade, we're paying for this. And we're making uh, AOC <laughs> see, like Joan of Arc. Maybe we'll put a statue. We'll take down all the Christopher Columbus statues, you know, the one that's in Astoria there. We'll put up one to AOC. Yeah, that's it. That'll be the next waste of our tax dollars. And you know something? Nobody is doing anything about this. Nobody. They're just saying, well, what, what do you expect us to do? We'll just take our kids out of public school, which many people are doing. There are 125,000 less public school students since the lockdown and pandemic. You know, I'd like to hear uh, Eric Adams address this, although really this is not his purview, his privy. It really should be the chairman. He appointed David Banks. I want to give him the benefit of the doubt. David, what you got to do is read this crap. Read it first and then try to digest it and somehow explain why are our tax dollars. I got three kids in public school. Why are our tax dollars going for books that even adults can't understand? I'm telling you, I would have very, I'd have a difficult time with that. Let, 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 me, let me get that again. I'm not a girl about being a transgender. Well, I'm not a girl, but, you know, at times I've felt like a girl, right? So maybe I identified as a girl. You know, maybe I can become a champion. I'll identify myself. You know, I didn't win a Little League World Series title or a softball title, but, you know, I'll relive my life. I'll have a midlife crisis. I'll decide I want to be a woman instead because maybe now I can finally be a champion in those sports without getting a briss. But I mean a bris by Rabbi Joe Potasnik in which he takes out the Rambo knife and he eliminates my member. Our number is one 800 Now you know where your tax dollars are going in this bloated $38 billion Department of Education, dumbest organization ever budget. And I am predicting that nothing will be done about this. So, Florida, here you come. <laughs> 38 million people went to Florida between January and March. 10 million more than the same time, same place the year before. And a lot of them, they're not coming back. They're not coming back. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. 
Let's go to uh, Kosha Howie from Brooklyn. Oh, what do I owe this to? Kosha Howie. Is it Glock Kosha Howie? Uh, I don't know what you're talking about, but first thing before I get to the question, I want to let you guys know, all your news people and radio hosts, let you guys know why all these people are acting like the way they're acting with the lust and, 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 and the killing. It's because it's right under your nose, and you guys are like, like silly. It's evil entities controlling the minds of these humans. But anyway, I want to ask you, what happened to a, a guy named Cuba that was standing in Central Park selling uh, LSD hits and, and other drugs? What have happened to that guy? Uh, he is now uh, next to the statue of Jerry Garcia and the Grateful Dead, who used to give away hits of acid whenever they would do concerts. Are you serious? Yeah, no, no, it's true. I mean, didn't you know that part of the ambiance of a Grateful Dead concert is halfway through it, even Al Gore and Tippett Gore, who claimed that they were deadheads, yeah, right, uh, would this be was in the si- 1990s, though. Yeah, no, I know. But they were in the front row there in uh, Maryland in the stadium that the Grateful Dead was performing. The FedEx Stadium in Landover, Maryland. That's where the Redskins play. Uh, oh, that's right. They're not the Redskins anymore. It's the, the Washington team. How stupid is that? But anyway, there was Tipper and Alcor with the tie-dyed shirt. You know, they were grooving to Jerry Garcia and the band. And naturally, halfway through the concert... Jerry Garcia had his uh, his uh, sheet out there. They have a sheet, they have tabs of acid, and they throw it into the crowd. And maybe you're lucky enough to get a tab of acid and you can trip out the rest of the concert. And for a few hours after that, uh, Al Gore and Tipagore claimed that they used to trip out to the Grateful Dead and Jerry Garcia. Do you believe that, Kosher Howie? No, um, but I don't think you understand the question. In Central Park... Wait, wait, wait a second. Wait, 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 wait. Hold, hold, hold on a second. I don't understand the question. I yeah, just I gave you. I just gave you an Encyclopedia Britannica answer. The before, the during, the after. You asked me whatever happened to that guy, and I told you there is a statue right near Strawberry Field, right in the shadow of the Dakota where John Lennon and Yoko Ono lived. <laughs> You remember Yoko, right? Right there, there is the statue of the very individual that you were talking about who was serving up hits of acid. Oh, wow. Okay, I didn't understand your answer then. Okay. okay. All, right. All right. Now we're copacetic. We're squared out, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I got to listen to the show. By the way, by the way uh, Kosha Howie, how did you know about that guy, huh? I'd go to the I go to the park every week and buy a hit a hundred hits of acid, hundred hits for a hundred dollars, and then sell them for get five hundred bucks. And then I also take them up and from 1991 to about 1998, and then I had to go to Limelight and sell them. But in order for me to sell in Limelight, I had to buy from the guy in Limelight, so I couldn't go buy from Cuba anymore. So whatever happened to that guy in Cuba that would be selling the drugs in the middle of the field in um, Central Park? I wonder now, what happened to him. Now, very, think, very interesting. I, I, I appreciate you being so open about your penchant for being the ultimate capitalist and selling it and reselling it. This is what a lot of guys do. They hang outside of sneaker stores, you know, for the collectibles, for the limited edition, and so that they can sell it for a higher price. You just happen to do it with hits of acid. I get it. And you did sample your product from time to time, right, Kosha Howie? My nickname was How Hallucinate. Yeah, I loved acid so much. Yes. Now, describe, describe, describe for us, because I used to debate against Timothy Leary. Uh, whenever uh, uh, he didn't have his adversary in the feds versus head debate that they did a documentary about, 
Uh, so I would be the substitute. And I remember going to Timothy Leary's home. He had a huge mansion in Beverly Hills. Uh, Dennis Hopper was there. Remember Dennis Hopper and some of those wild, freaky, deaky, trendoids uh, and Holly weird folks. And they saw me come in with my red beret and red sateen jacket. And all of a sudden, all you heard was the toilet flushing upstairs and downstairs. They thought it was like a DEA raid. Yep. Yeah. Yeah, you but that, that, that was where it came from, right? Yeah. You know but, where it originally came from, right? You know, you know why it was made and created? CIA. Yeah. Criminals in action. The criminals in action, because that's what the CIA is, created acid. And when I was growing up, the big talk show host in the afternoon on CBS was Art Linkletter. Uh, In fact, Art Linkletter had an interesting past. He had actually been a hobo for a while. They used to call it hobos instead of homeless. And you would would jump on a a train and you'd go across the country. And he actually had these experiences. He would talk about it on TV. And then, unfortunately, uh, one time his child jumped off a balcony after taking a hit of acid. And he dedicated the rest of his life to talking about the dangers of dropping acid. Now... Uh, w- w- did you ever have a bad trip, Kosha Howie? No, but like I said, I reiterate, acid is not for everyone. You've got to be headstrong. Yeah, you can't handle it. Don't do it. Don't do it. But yeah, luckily for me, I'm smart and I was headstrong. I could handle it. I first started taking mescaline and then from there I graduated to acid and then uh, ecstasy from limelight. All free. Oh, the acid, I had to pay for it. But very cheap, very cheap. A hundred hits for a hundred bucks in the park. Uh, so now, 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 wait a second. So you were you were there at the time of the slime light. They called it the limelight, the club, which was actually an old church. I called it the slime light, and that was owned by Peter Gation. You know, the Canadian with the eye patch on. Yeah, matter of fact, I was there in, in slime light when repeat DJ repeat and Peter Gation was asking me when they first were presenting, hey, we're going to have a show called Future Shock. It's going to be all based on techno. Maybe you want to be a part of it. I was working for the building, promoting for the building. And I said, ah, maybe. Is my name going to be on the flyer? He goes, no, not yet. I said, no, I'm not going to do it. But, yeah, uh, I remember the line. Like, I was there every Friday and every Wednesday. Man, you were a hustler. Um, I like techno, so I wanted to, you know, push my – Tapes around and get on the get on the get in, get into the scene. Yeah, well, uh, I, 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 I was in. I was in. Uh, yeah, I was into techno also, and then evolved there, you know, into uh, EDM, electronic dance music. But I, know, I hear your show. Right, you are an entrepreneur. You realize you were buying hits of acid in the park, and then you were turning them around and reselling them at a higher price. Let me let you know what I really am. I'm a visitor. I'm just in this human body for, you know, temporarily. I'm a visitor here. I'm way ahead of my time. And that's why I'm just um, better than everyone around me. So I just know about stuff that typical regular people don't know about. So you're basically, uh, you really just leased this time here on this plane. You too. Everyone here is all visitors. We're all visiting here. This, this thing, this earth. Is assimilation. It's like, like, you know, when you play Grand Theft Auto, that's what this world is. It's assimilation. It's like a dream. You know, when you have dreams, like, well, that dream felt really real. And you wake up, you're like, ah, oh, again, dawn. What, hap- what happens, though, Kosha Howie, when that dream turns into a nightmare? You got to control it. And, and you, know, you just got to fix it. You got to, you, you, you got to control it. Now, now, Kosha Howie, you were doing chemicals. That was chemical LSD. You never yeah. did shrooms, the natural no, stuff? No, I never was able to get my hands on that. 
Never. Nope. Oh, only acid and uh, ecstasy and uh, kosher, kosher, acid. This is what you got to do, kosher, Howie. Now, it may not be kosher. Uh, <laughs> there are a series of trees that grow up near Beacon, New York, on the other side of the Hudson. You know, on one side is Poughkeepsie, the other side is Beacon. They have these trees and these old hippies who came from the Lower East Side. They live up there in the colony, and they pick the shrooms. Have you ever seen the mushrooms that grow right by the tree stumps? Yeah, but I don't know which mushrooms to take, so I don't want to, you know, play around. I don't want to get no freaky stomachache or get sick, so I don't know which one to Kosher, Howie, trust me on this. Trust me on this. Just consume those shrooms because you will either have the most psychedelic shack attack you've ever had in your life or you will end up projectile vomiting. Either or. I mean, look, come on. It's worth the risk. Come on, Kosher Howie. You're not going to die. I, I'm very careful what I put inside me. I don't well, want to that's because you eat kosher. Yeah, yeah. I got to make sure what it is. Now, by the way, uh, you're visiting in your body. When does uh, when do you have to go back? I guess when God tells me to. I'm hoping maybe I'm 50 years old, so I only hopefully have maybe maybe 10 more winters left when I'm 60. After my cats die, I don't want to be around anymore. So I don't know. No, no, I understand. Now, oh, Coach Yahawi, when God, now do you mean Hashem or JC calls you back? Yeshua. Mm. Sure. Mm. Uh, your time is um, and then I could be with my cats forever up in heaven. And oh, let me let you know about the cats. Don't give your cats away if your landlord says hey, you got to give your cats out. If you go to a lawyer or a doctor say you, you, your cat is your emotional support animal, you can keep your cat. All right, you were saying? No, no that's brilliant. That's exactly yeah. what my wife Nancy has too. said, and will be talking to us in the animal welfare hour from awesome. uh, eleven to twelve. Koshia, uh, Howie, you have been very enlightening. You have been very honest. Uh, I helped you. You helped us. Uh, you opened up. Uh, it's almost like I was your shrink, your psychiatrist. Many people in Manhattan, uh, the wealthiest area of America, they brag about the shrinks they have. Koshia, Howie, you'll be able to say, you know, Slee was my shrink. Yep, I, I put it down on paper then. Thank you. And yeah. you're welcome, I guess. Absolutely. And do me a favor. Give me a heads up when all of a sudden you're no longer here. All right, I'll, I'll, I'll let you know, and um, I'm going to let you know about Frank real quick. He had something called Get At Frank, and I was one of your leftovers from your show going on to his show, and I mentioned that, and pretty much any time I'm on the radio, I go to the podcast, and I download it, and I put the podcast into my techno mixes. So I wanted to hear the part when I mentioned your name. So what he did was he cut your name out. When I said, no, and I said, oh, I'm just one of your left, one of the leftovers from Curse's show. Onto your show, and I, you know, told him what I wanted Kosha, to tell him. Kosha, Kosha, Howie, yeah. he he was like a moil. He did a bris on me. Yeah, your name, Kosha, your name. Wow. I he, hear it on the podcast, and I hear, I'm like, hey, what happened to the Curtis part? I'm like, oh, you cut it off, huh? Look at this. He's so paranoid about I me. I recorded. Oh, please, you got to share. Oh, stay on. The, hold on. Yeah. I need this information. Thank you for ratting him out and eating the Parmesan cheese. I'll call you with the. But the next week, like I said, I play these, I record these, and I put them in my Serato uh, DJ software, oh, and I use them for mixing. Wow. So I got a record, and I saved it. And he even mentioned, while he cut you off, he even mentioned that he cut you off. But he said, you could cut. I told him, that you know what, I'm going to go listen to George Norrie, because I don't like listening to your show, because your show is pretty much the same thing that happens in the daytime. And he goes, well, you can you come back if you want. You can come back. I said, anyway, I'm also one of the leftovers from Curtis' show. That's the only reason why I'm even calling your show. 
And he never has any. He never has anything supernatural. He may have a UFO story maybe once a week. Or Let me tell you something, Kosha Howie. Kosha, stay on the line. Stay on the line. Carmelo, Carmelito, whatever the hell you, Camelia. Get Kosha Howie's number. Out of everything he said, it was very interesting. But how Frank Morano is giving my podcast a bris and eliminating me as if he was a moil. Probably blindfolded with a Ginzu knife. Wow, you see how bitter this has come, this this ratings battle. He's at 20, I'm at 17. Now, you can help me, ladies and gentlemen. I never ask you for anything. 32 years of doing talk radio, most of it here at WABC, I've never asked you for anything. I'm asking you for one thing. This week, uh, I'm on right after Bill O'Reilly does his 15-minute update starting at uh, 12 noon, 12, 15 to 1. I need you all to listen because I will get a ratings point for each day. Now, I'm already at 17. Frank is at 20. So if I get five more ratings points for the week, I will be the ratings leader for the week. I will be at 22. Frank will be at 20. And then he can no longer declare him. He can no longer declare himself the ratings king here at WABC, please. And by the way, also, uh, I will be on with Sid Rosenberg at 645 in the morning. Oh, me and Sid, we got so much to talk about. So much to talk about, as we do with all of you. Because remember, that acronym sometimes stands for Always Broadcasting Curtis. I'll get Frank. I'll win that ratings crown one way or the other. And by the way, you have to listen to all 20 hours of Frank Morano. Matt is his board operator here attempting to sabotage me. Uh, I know why you're here. You're a rat. But, you know, I encourage people being rats. Eat the Parmesan cheese and report to me what Frank is uh, talking about. That's okay. I can't listen to all the 20 hours because I'm patrolling with the guardian angels during this crime crisis in the subways. But I appreciate the heads up. Uh, I will tell you this, though. Wow, we've never had competition like this before. I mean, look at all the talk show hosts and hostesses. It's like uh, Churchill Downs, the Kentucky Derby. It's like we're all at it at breakneck speed. But you got to listen. You got to listen as much as possible. And whatever you can hear in real time, appointment radio, on your terrestrial radio, your car, your van, or your truck radio, on the app, which you can hear crystal clear in Kabul and Baghdad, on the stream. There's so many different ways to get this product now. The number one news talk station in the nation, WABC. But you got to listen. Most importantly, you got to write out Frank and report to me. WABC. New York's talk station with the king of New York. Curtis Lewa, 77 WABC. See, at the slime light, a.k.a. the limelight, Kosha Howie would have been dropping tabs of acid there. While Peter Gation and the club kids were running crazy. I despised Peter Gation and the club kids. And had I seen Coach Howie back then, I might have given him a attitudinal readjustment. But can you imagine I used to debate Timothy Leary, the guru of LSD? 
I would walk in Brown University, 4,000 people. I didn't have one supporter in the crowd. They were all there for their guru of LSD. Then, was College Park, University of Maryland, 8,000 people. I had two supporters, and I loved every second of it. I loved every second of it. Oh, I took it to a man. I took it to that wingdame Timothy Leary, who's up there in outer space now. You know, they actually took his ashes and put it in a rocket ship. I think it's one of those Elon Musk's uh, satellites, and it's going round and round and round. Hey, Tim, I beat you there at Brown University, and I beat you in College Park. Howie. Howie told us, Kosha Howie, that he had just leased his body, but he's ready to go back. I had to tell him who the guy was that was selling tabs of acid in Central Park, you see? See, that was synergy, ladies and gentlemen. Anyway, uh, let me give you an update on uh, monkey business, a.k.a. monkeypox. Now, our mayor played it off. And basically said, ain't nothing about nothing. We only have one verified case in Bellevue. Nothing to worry about. Excuse me. Don't we have the revival of the gay and lesbian parade coming up? When gays, gay men come in from all over the world to participate in the parade. I think it may well be the largest. It's in June. And they say that monkeypox is now transmitted mostly uh, by gay sex, although there are other ways of transmitting it. In fact, the, uh, uh, the who, who, not the group, the World Health Organization is saying, and here we go again, that it can be transmitted in the air. So they are recommending that masks, that's right, masks, are effective at preventing the spread of monkeypox and condoms in order to have safe sex. Yeah, right. You imagine you have a condom on and a mask simultaneously. That's something that Fauci would say, right? Anyway, monkeypox is spreading. Uh, It started in Central Africa in the Congo. That's where, remember, Ebola, the flesh-eating virus, started during the... uh, Barack Obama administration, and boy, it almost began spreading all over the world. It's a virus, too. It took a lot of uh, preemptive measures to contain it. It's also in Nigeria. There's a lot of travelers through Nigeria. That It's a third-world country, but there's a lot of travel in and out of Lagos. And now it's in the U.K. Uh, Belgium uh, is going to quarantine That's the first of many to come. It's in Canada. It's in the United States. And so our president, who is uh, finding it difficult to know what country he's in in Asia, depending on the day, was asked about monkeypox. And I'm sure, knowing our president, Joe Biden, that he was a little unsure if the uh, inquisitor was asking about monkey business or monkeypox. What if your health advisors told you your level of concern should be about monkeypox in the cases that are in the United States and around the world? Well, they haven't told me the level of exposure yet, but it is something that everybody should be concerned about. We're working on it hard to figure out what we do and what uh, vaccine, if any, may be available for. But it is a concern in the sense that if it were to spread, it's consequential. That's all they've told me. What I could wean from that was that he's taking it seriously. 
which you have to. And I know many of you think in a conspiratorial way this is just another effort to prevent a normal kind of vote in November in the midterm election where it's thought that there will be a tsunami through the House. Goodbye, Pelosi. Uh, the Republicans uh, will lead the House and may well take over the Senate, and then the schmuck to putz Chuck E. Cheese Schumer becomes the minority leader of the Senate. Oh, God. A uh, hell of a lot better being the minority leader than the majority leader as he is. But anyway, uh, the president is taking it somewhat seriously. Um, but there are people out there who are quite conspiratorial about this. In fact, during the 3 to 5 o'clock hour, uh, in the in-between, before I came on at 9, there was a gentleman who had called from Pennsylvania who reminded me how Nancy had alerted us that there was an 18-wheel tractor trailer that had... Uh, uh, turned over. Monkeys had escaped that were from a laboratory and sharpshooters had killed them because they were carrying a virus. Now, was it monkeypox? Because I believe that most of these viruses don't occur naturally in the jungles, but occur in laboratories like we saw in Wuhan. We finally learned, oh yeah, it is legit. Uh, then there may well be bio labs in the Ukraine. It's been talked about. Everybody just wants to uh, dismiss that. I don't. Plum Island, off of Suffolk County, was a bio lab. They experimented on animals. Fort Detrick, I can go through a whole list of where we do it in the United States, but we're limited in what we can do in the United States. That's why Fauci and the CDC outsource it to third world countries where they can get away with... Uh, Total abuse of these animals supposedly to help life and protect us from viruses, where in many instances they're developing biological weapons. They could wipe out the planet, and we know nothing about it. Yet, guess who pays for it? We do. So in the 11 o'clock hour, we'll um, ask Nancy more about that. She's more of an expert on that. Uh, But it was interesting. That came out of talk radio. And there is discussion that the WHO... Not the group. The World Health Organization is negotiating with the Biden administration to take more of a um, proactive role in determining our health health policies here in the United States. We'll be getting into all of that. Our number is one 800 That's one 800 wabc Let's go to Michael in Queens. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Michael. Yeah, Curtis. Yes, Mike. I want to I want to start off by saying, you know, it's a privilege and an honor to actually speak to you. Um, I voted for you, by the way, for mayor. I first learned of you with the Guardian Angels way back in the early eighties, and um, I just wanted to bring something up now. I told you it's a call screen, and what it is today at eleven a.m. That gentleman who was killed, murdered on the Q train. I watched Channel 24711 surf back and forth. Not one of the stations mentioned that the gentleman happened to be a Caucasian gentleman that was murdered, and the gentleman who shot him was an African-American gentleman. Well, they never and do. They never do. Never. Not a, not a, not a piece from the mayor of the police commission. Nothing. Yesterday evening, a 17-year-old Latino girl in the Bronx was shot in the neck. A 32-year-old Hispanic male in the in Brooklyn was shot by uh, all, all these by African American people. Not a word. 
nothing. And I, I'm watching the updates on Channel 4 and, and 5 and 11, and they're saying a person of a dark skin. And what struck me weird, if, God forbid, uh, a crime is committed by a Caucasian person or a Hispanic person or an Asian person against an African-American person, or the the headlines, the white, white against this, or is Spanish against this. And I'm looking at them saying, not, not a word from any of the media channels, nothing from the, the police person is hiding, like she always does. And like, and this is, I'm, this is coming from me. I want to give you a little brief, real brief story. Well, well Michael, my Michael, I, I, I understand you. exactly what you're talking about. This happens not only here, but all over the country. Perfect example. Uh, let's take you back to uh, the African-American from Milwaukee who was getting into all kinds of domestic issues with his baby mama drama. You remember his name, Brooks? Jumps into that SUV, goes over to Waukesaw and uh, mows down those grandmas who are in their annual Christmas uh, parade uh, in uh, Wisconsin. That was on November 21st. I'll never forget that. There was never a description of his complexion. Never. We had no idea who the hell he was. He had posted all kinds of social networking attacks on white people, attacks on Jews. I mean, a series of them. Very similar to what we saw the white kid, the 18-year-old mass murderer who was targeting African-Americans, uh, uh, in Conklin, that town of 5,000 outside of Bingington, where he drove 200 miles to uh, kill as many black people as he could. Now, we learned all about his 180-page manifesto, as we should have. But Brooks's manifesto was never really shared with everybody. He wanted to kill whites and he wanted to kill Jews. And he posted, like, infinitum. Then uh, it's six weeks after Frank James decided to go on that end train, came in from Philadelphia in that rental van, remember, took that end train, was dressed up like one of the village people, remember, with the white construction hat on and the orange vest. He looked like an MTA worker. He set off those smoke bombs, had a 9 millimeter, started shooting into the smoke, hit 10 people, thank God none of them died, and his gun jammed because he would have kept firing, and there's no doubt he would have injured others uh, and probably would have killed others, and then went on a 30-hour excursion tour of New York City, walking around, riding the trains, like, I'm here, I'm here. It was all over the city. And it was never mentioned what his color was. Remember, and I'll never forget listening intently to WABC because I was in Sunset Park. Uh, I had the guardian angels there at the scene of the shooting, uh, doing what we could do to try to help catch this guy. And I remember the cops were not giving out a really good description. Of the guy. Hey, you know, is he black? Can you? It's dark. He has a dark-hued complexion. Is he black? Curtis, you know we can't say that. Why not? If he was white, you would say white. If he was Asian, you would say Asian. If he was Hispanic, you would say Hispanic. Why can't you say we're looking for a black guy who's wearing red pants and this crazy uh, white construction cap and this orange vest that makes him look like one of the village people? 
he continues. And you say, well, how are you going to find the right person if you don't even know who he is, what his color is? I mean, that's one of the things that defines us. You see, unlike our gender, we can't decide to be black when we're white. You know, like if you're heterosexual, you can say, no, today I'm a homosexual, and you must respect that. You got that, Matt? Because if I want to be a pansexual in five hours, you must respect my decision. But if I were to say to you, Matt, you really don't, I am not a Caucasian. I am a black man, a Euro-Asiatic black man. They, they haven't defined that you have to respect my decision to call myself a black. That's coming up next. But you can't get a description like that. Frank James, right? I, I wasted four hours of my life that I will never get back watching all those crazy YouTube Crazy statements of him that nobody watched before. And then all of a sudden, everybody was watching it. I mean, he hated a panoply of people. He hated whites. He hated Jews. He hated black women. He hated Asians. The only people he didn't hate were black guys. Other than that, he was up for killing all of you. I have four hours of my life I'll never get back. That garbage, that venom that poured out of his lips. We were never made privy to that. There was no special task force put together to say, my God, we have to look at these social networking sites and scrub them. It's uh, it's all political, ladies and gentlemen. Common sense should prevail. If the suspect is black, say he's black or she's black or white or Asian or Hispanic, or maybe you might be confused. You know, like slamming Sammy Sosa. Remember, one time, he was blacker than any African-American. And then he decided to do the Michael Jackson thing and bleached himself, and now he's whiter than me. Remember Slammy Sammy Sosa? Have you seen him lately in the DR? He's whiter than any white guy ever was. He's bleached himself. So I can understand. You'd be confused. I, I saw Slamming Sammy Sosa, former Chicago Cub, did it. Uh, he's black, right? No, no, no more. He's white. That's an exception to the rule. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Tommy in Brooklyn. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Tommy. Curtis, you're the man. Keep it up, brother. Um, most mushrooms do, do grow in the dead in the uh, in the plant matter. Uh, that could be at the base of some of the trees. You're right. You're right about that. But I don't know if you knew it. Most A lot of the good, high-quality mushrooms are grown in cow poop. Like uh, Bobitis, Vitinellis, something like that, and then uh, the, the Conocybes, uh, the Moseries of Descendants. These are the ones that are used in research right now for uh, use in medical research for uh, PTSD, um, depression, and believe it or not, addiction. Yes. And they're, they're doing. Yeah, no, no, no. Acid is now being uh, utilized by medical authorities to deal, deal with people's mental stability. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. I mean, I'm I'm, I'm looking into it because I'm I suffer from PTSD and some anger issues. You know, I know you said something the other night about, <laughs> but uh, yeah. And um, Tommy, Tommy, I'm your shrink. Wait a second, I'm your shrink, as you know it. I'm everybody's shrink here because I have more anger management issues than anyone who has ever walked the face of the earth. As a kid at PS114 in Jungle Jenny's Wilson's class, she came by and said, "What are you writing there, Curtis?" I said, "Well, it's my kill list for the day." These are all the supreme cuisines that I want to kill. And she looked at me and she, Jungle Jenny Wilson said, you, you really have some issues, don't you? I said, I haven't done it yet. It's just what I would hope to do. 
I really, you don't understand. And like, she didn't want to listen to me. You, you understand, Tommy. You, you're cut from the same cloth, right? Yeah, 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 absolutely. I definitely, I, as a matter of fact, I get kicked out of um, uh, anger management uh, like two weeks ago. Now, you, you think you had a bet in anger management. You know who went through the fastest anger management course in the history of anger management uh, classes? You, you what, went one day, kicked out that day, right? No, no, actually it was Sean Puff, Daddy Combs, and Jay-Z. Remember, uh, yeah. Jay-Z had taken a uh, Moet champagne bottle and clocked a producer. And I mean, really clocked him. So he had to go to anger management and he had to sit opposite the producer and promise him he wouldn't do it again. And you know what Jay-Z was saying? When I get out of here, man, I'm not going to hit you with a champagne bottle, man. I'm, I, my name's going to be Killer Jay-Z. Remember, I shot my brother at the age of 11. He was there for one day. Sean Puff Daddy Combs was in anger management class for one day. You see, wow. you, you didn't... You, you, you weren't in the uh, easy pass lane of anger management, uh, Tommy. If, if 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 you could have been with uh, Sean Puff, Daddy Combs, you could have been with Jay Z. Yeah, I got to do something else now. I don't know what. We're gonna see what the strength is. <laughs> no, no, understand, also- understand, Tommy. I want you to keep us informed as you experiment with these shrooms, natural stuff, not the chemicals. You let us know how it works. If it's a psychedelic shack attack. If it works. All right, well, they're going to see. Let's see if they give it to me in, in the medical form. I'm going to try it. Tommy. They got something else, too. They use MDMA. Uh, oh, oh, oh. Yeah. Tommy, Tom, MDA. MDA. No, no, no. Wait a second. That That's a party drug. That's like Molly. Come on. You, you don't want to go that route. This is what you do, Tommy. Let me tell you again. You go up to Poughkeepsie. There's a bridge over the Hudson River that takes you to Beacon. There are trees that grow there that the hippies have moved up to, and they protect Mother Nature and the trees. They formerly lived down on the Lower East Side in what was called the Alphabet Jungle. And they will point to you which mushrooms you pick right at the uh, the stump of the tree there. And, Tommy, uh, you will either be totally cured by having those shrooms or you will have projectile vomiting. But either way, you're going to live. Tommy, trust me on this. Please, Tommy. You know what we used to do? When we used to go we used to upstate New York, actually, upstate New York, um, in, um, where the hell was it? Um, where the ski lodge is? Uh, Phoenicia, New York. It was a big commune up there. And the guy, sure, he showed me how to do it. He said, if you go cap the mushrooms, that you, when they're sitting on, when they're growing in the cow poop, you just flick them with your finger. And you come back the next day, and they'll be like, fucking, oh, excuse me, around. There'll be thousands of them all over. What a faux pas. What a verbal faux pas. He just got George Carlin. Uh, he said one of those seven words we had to eliminate him. It's okay. He was on a roll. He was talking about going through a field of shrooms, thousands of them. You know he's been in the psychedelic shack. He's been under attack. 1-800-848-9222. It's 1-800-848-WABC. Let's go to Wizzy calling from New Jersey. Your turn to be heard here at WABC, Wizzy. I'm a fellow Polak, and I'm a thief, an arsonist, and an alcoholic, and I identify as a lesbian. You know who that is? That's the guy who's got the Jones for Judge Ginny Impero. See, we didn't let him. You gave him good, good, Matt. You caught him. You gave him a brisk right there. He was going to promote that stupid book of his. 
he has a serious problem. He has a fascination and obsession with Judge Jeanine Pirro, this guy. He lives up in uh, Dom's Ferry in a little SRO hotel in a room. He's got pictures of Judge Jeanine Pirro on the uh, on the ceiling, on the walls. He watches the five Fox News every day to see Judge Jeanine. And then on Sunday mornings, he listens to Judge Jeanine uh, right after Rudy Giuliani from 11 to 12. Never calls her. You know, it's like the guy who always looked at a girl in junior high school but never went up to her locker but was obsessed with her. See, he thought he was going to get over on me. But good, good, mad. You caught him. You eliminated him. Finito. Wizzy was dizzy. Let's go to Cat in Ipswich, uh, Massachusetts. Uh, hopefully not one of the Salem witches today, Cat. No, absolutely not. No, I uh, two points. One was you mentioned Plum Island. It is not in Suffolk County. It's in Essex County. So it's two counties up from Suffolk. But secondly, you, you were talking about uh, the, the situation with the COVID and the Wuhan lab. I'm, I'm involved in grants. It absolutely was from the lab. No doubt about it. Anybody that's involved in grant management knows that it's from the lab. And when I mentioned it, you know, like early on in the COVID, like a couple, couple of months in, like early 2020, I said it privately to a couple of people. And they looked at it like I had three heads. And I'm like, no, it's like to- so obvious. It's from the lab. Let me ask you a question, Kat. You mentioned uh, Suffolk and you mentioned Essex. You know, I wasn't talking about Massachusetts. No, but you said Plum Island, so I thought it was like Plum Island in Essex. Oh. Plum Island off of Massachusetts, because you said Suffolk County. That's correct. Well, I meant Suffolk County, Long Island. I I, I apologize. Oh, I'm sorry. No, no, you're right. I forgot. There was, there is a Plum Island off of the coast of Massachusetts. And when you said what you said, I was like, oh, my God, I had no idea that happened there. <laughs> That's what I was thinking. That's right. I'm using my GPS now as I work my way through Martha's Vineyard. All of a sudden, I'm going up there, right through Plymouth Rock, Massachusetts. I'm feeling the revolutionary fervor of taking on the Redcoats. I I, I got it, Cat. I got it. You're right. That island is right off the coast of Massachusetts, right off the coast there. But you taught me something. Now I know there's another Plum Island. Yeah, and over the years, probably the biggest intrigue was why was the United States government taking so many animals out to uh, Plum Island to do experiments? They, you would be arrested if you went out to Plum Island. Now, we subsidized it. We paid for it. They had signs up there, no trespassing, skull and crossbones. I was out there. Tough nuggies. You never got me. But I couldn't gain entrance into the facility. It was a lab. Very similar to what was going on in Wuhan and other laboratories that we subsidize all throughout the world in third world countries, like Fort Detrick here in the United States, Palm Island, other places where they do experimentation on animals. And uh, you could learn more about unidentified flying objects than you can about those experiments in the laboratories that we've had within the 50 states uh, and the... uh, uh, and uh, all the territory of the United States. Absolutely. And think about, like, what, remember that incident, like, over the last year, it was like like a bunch of, like, monkeys 
all of a sudden, like the car, the truck crashed and like the monkeys got out. We still don't know where where did the monkeys go. Well, cat. I mean, they were like they cat, were like for a research. Cat, we we benefit because the person who broke that story two months ago was my wife Nancy, who's coming up next. She uh, visits her mother, my mother-in-law in Milford, Pennsylvania. And she broke that story on the Animal Welfare Hour when she talked about that 18-wheel tractor trailer that had uh, overturned. The monkeys had escaped, and they had sharpshooters from the sheriff's office killing those monkeys. And you said, now, wait a second. That's that's really extreme, right? Then later on, they said, well, you know, they were experimented on. They had a virus. They tried to say it was coronavirus. No, 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 no. No, I think uh, Nancy is going to be able to reveal to all of us what that really was because she's done the deep dive. That's what makes these uh, hours of ours so significant is we don't just do a rip and read, talk to you about the headlines. We do the deep dive to get behind the headlines to let you know really what's going on. And I want to thank that caller from Pennsylvania earlier in the day when I was on from 3 to 5 who reminded me of that story. And reminded me of what Nancy had told all of us. So between three and five, and now she's been able to do that deep dive because she has a lot of contacts in Pennsylvania. When she visits her mother, she goes out into those forest areas. She has her AK-47s, and, I mean, she's like Annie Oakley. You know, she can't do that in New York. I said, where do you store your AK-47s? Well, none of your damn B.I.B. business. I'm your husband, right? You don't have to know everything about me, just like I don't know everything about you. Oh, really? I think people know more about me than they know about most people in this world. I got to find out where she's got those AK-47 stashed. And she's like Rambolina out there. People have described her as being out there and just like unloading. I mean, like totally. You would not want her if you abused animals. If you tortured animals like that 18-year-old mass killer did, she's going to give us an update on that in Conklin, New York, before he started hunting and killing blacks in East Buffalo. He had a history of torturing and killing cats. Remember, she's educated us that serial killers, the one thing they have in common is they tortured and they killed animals, and that was true of that 18-year-old mass serial killer. You don't want to miss this. It just gets deeper and deeper. See, we build layers here. It's theater of the mind, but it's also facts and information you may not have been privy to. And I can't wait to take on Dominic Carter uh, right before he comes on at 12 midnight. Oh, I got a few bones uh, to break with him. It'll be his bones, not mine. And then, oh, can't wait for the return of Frank Morano at 1 in the morning on the other side of midnight. Why is it I do the other, other, other side of midnight? Why is it he's the untouchable? He's the golden child. He can do no wrong. Over the course of human history, there's been Noah's Ark, savior of mankind. St. Francis of Assisi, foregoing his wealth to be savior of all animals. And Curtis Sliwa, guardian angel and savior of New York City, protecting both man and beast. The Curtis Sliwa Show presents 
Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. From bipeds to quadrupeds and everything in between. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. This show is getting bigger and uh, more listened to and more calls than any of the many hours that I do at WABC. And we have reached uh, a new mark, Nancy Sliwa. We have we have a sponsor here. This hour of the Curtis and Nancy Sliwa Animal Welfare Show is brought to you by the KG Law Team. Did you or your family face nursing home negligence during the COVID pandemic? Call Jeff Guzman today at 212-227-2900 for your free consultation or visit kglawteam.com. That's kglawteam.com. You made the big time, Nancy. You, <laughs> you got a sponsor. Awesome. Lovely. See that? It's all because of you. When they called it the Curtis Lee Animal Welfare Hour, Curtis's uh, Noah's uh, Ark, we got Ugats, we got Bubkis. When you were on the ark by yourself, like it, it was a, a lonely looking place, but now we're together. That's right, together forever. <laughs> now, you became the focus and the topic of conversation earlier Sunday when I was on from three to five. Gentleman called up from Pennsylvania. He had remembered you talking during the animal welfare segment about two months ago of a 18-wheel tractor-trailer truck somewhere in Pennsylvania that had turned over and the uh, the uh, monkeys that were inside being transported had escaped and apparent, uh, apparently sheriff's deputies uh, had snipers on rooftops and they were killing the monkeys and trying to gather them up and then they claimed that they had been infected with some kind of virus. Can you uh, catch us up on all those details because... Yeah, even uh, the woman from Ipswich, Massachusetts, right before we went to the Animal Welfare Hour, remembered that also. Uh, and uh, let's see if there's any connection to what we see this monkeypox situation as it begins to spread not only through Africa, Europe, but here to North America, too. Yeah, so so this particular, uh, you know, uh, 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 truck that crashed had uh, animals that were utilized for testing and all of a sudden it, it crashed on the highway and there was a few monkeys that escaped there was this uh, big deal about trying to capture them back now supposedly what they're being tested for was coronavirus and you know so they were being exposed to uh, you know maybe some of the uh, you know cor- coronavirus sort of uh, you know stuff but now, all of a sudden, out of nowhere, there is actually concern that maybe they had something additional. And now, you know, the monkeypox is, you know, again, very questionable. Like, where is that? And no one, and again, like, oh, you know, it, there's no way to figure out, like, where this came from or how anyone was potentially exposed. But it's in the United States now. So, there is a, a really big search trying to figure out where it came from. Don't you find it fascinating that our listeners uh, who uh, uh, listen uh, morning, noon, and night, not only to this show, but all the other shows that we have here, remembered you talking about that two months ago and made the connection? I mean, well, definitely understandable because, again, 
if all you're doing is, you know, testing these, you know, animals because, you know, they're being tested for coronavirus, uh, you know, whatever sort of a thing. But there was really a worrisome thing when this truck crashed, which didn't really make a lot of sense because if they're all being exposed to the same sort of, uh, you know, uh, uh, you know, element, well, why would you be concerned that, you know, the truck crashed? So there was a lot of unanswered questions, I'd say. But I noticed that you have taken uh, me and oftentimes shown me the videos of the monkeys that are experimented on and pointed out all the human characteristics that they have. And the more you've shown me these videos, and these are not just videos of snippets, uh, five minutes, ten minutes, but hour or two hours, where you actually get to observe the monkeys who are uh, incarcerated in these cages but they, they they actually at times appear to have every conceivable human characteristic. There's some of those monkeys I'd rather hang out with than some of the people I work with here at WABC. I mean, genetically speaking, they're as close to people as you can possibly get, which is, you know, likely why they're being tested on. But that's also the reason that you shouldn't be testing them because they are like us you know you shouldn't be doing this stuff and there's a lot of alternatives to figuring out like oh is a you know like a a new medicine a new thing like is it workable is it helpful but i mean once you start realizing how close in proximity in relationship in behavior that all these different uh, species of monkeys are to people this is exactly why you don't want testing on them. They're like us. Now, question, uh, will you carry the ball on this? Will you carry the water pail on this? Because uh, our listeners are expecting us to do the deep dive and see if we can make a connection because the answers about monkeypox so far from the authorities have been extraordinarily vague. Even, I would say, to a degree, even more vague than they were when coronavirus uh, first was brought to our attention by Dr. Fauci in an interview that he had with our owner-operator and talk show host of his own making, John Katsimatidis, in January of 2020, before the Lunar New Year. I remember I was in Vegas at that time at the World Martial Arts Expo. The place was filled with Asians from Pennsylvania and Philadelphia, and I was listening to the interview on the, the way back. I was pounding the ham. And Dr. Fauci, you got nothing to worry about. There's only one case isolated outside of Seattle. No masks. Don't worry. Just live your life. Two months later, we were in total lockdown. Yeah, I mean, again, I'm not on board with unnecessary testing for primates because we already know the end result and what's happened before. And what you know, ha, you know what you're expecting to begin with. There's a lot of things that can happen to forward the equation in terms of you know maybe sort of uh, keeping people uh, you know safe. You know, uh, but you don't need to continually test on animals. It's really not essential at this point. So I, th- I think that's what needs to be realized. Like. There's a lot of other things you can do, but, I mean, these animals are innocent. There's no reason to do this stuff. 
Uh, let's give our numbers out. 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. It's the Animal Welfare Hour featuring uh, Nancy Sliwa. She's a animal rescuer extraordinaire. Uh, and we'll do a deep dive on this information that came out of Pennsylvania two months ago that she brought to our attention. And we'll see if there is any linkage with this uh, new discovery that monkeypox is beginning to spread through North America. You know, our mayor has uh, played it off, said no biggie. But when politicians say no biggie, I always think back to uh, Dr. Fauci with John Katsimatidis. No biggie. Don't worry about it. (laughs) It almost destroyed the world. But anyway, let's move on to subject number two, which you have always warned us about. Nancy, you have told us that when you look into the background of homicidal maniacs, serial killers, most likely you will see a man or a woman who tortured or killed animals earlier in their life. You've told us that many times, right? Yes. And it turns out that this 18-year-old who left Conklin, a little village of 5,000 next to Bingington, drove 200 miles after writing a 180-page manifesto over months Uh, The main point of it being he was on a mission to hurt and kill as many African-Americans as he could. Actually himself had tortured and killed cats, right? Yes, correct. Could you explain that to us? Well, I mean, so again, like there was, uh, you know, indications already that, you know, he was doing this horrific behavior. And this is why you really need to be. Uh, you know, on point and acknowledging when people do this stuff and also have like outlets to, you know, alert, you know, whoever needs to be alerted to it, whether it's, uh, you know, schools, authorities, parents, whatever, that someone's having behavior that doesn't accord with, you know, normal society. So when there's, you know, when you have these people who have issues going on and they're actually, you know, dropping these clues to the fact that something's off with them, okay, you need to have some sort of a, you know, remedy for figuring out, oh, these people need to be, you know, spoken to, they need to be talked to, what's going on with them. The fact that there's not anything set at this point to try and discern, like, oh, these people who have these issues going on, I mean, they're almost like crying out for help and you're not doing, you know, anything to assist them. So, I mean, again, it's very clear cut. You know, someone who's going to do that is going to, you know, keep going and do worse things. You know, what's interesting about this homicidal maniac is that he had a favorite cat named Paige, who was a domestic cat. The cat lived indoors with the family. He would torture and kill feral cats just like his best friend was a dark-skinned Hispanic whose girlfriend was an African-American and he used to go play video games at their house but not shoot him up video games. And then it turns out he's like one of the most venomous racists that history has ever known. And you scratch your head and you say, something a bit odd here. He had a cat named Paige that everybody said he loved, he adored, a domestic cat. But then he would torture and kill feral cats. What do you what do you make of that? You know, I, I think maybe some of the uh, you know uh, sort of uh, protocols for people reaching out to alert anyone who might be able to assist. 
to individuals who have these issues, you want to make that a little bit more uh, easygoing. So if you see someone or you're interacting with someone and they're doing something that seems off the, you know, the chart, you know, totally not normal, you know, again, it's not that you want to call everyone out, you know, but if you just alert people to it, okay, there should be a protocol for individuals who are doing things that aren't correct. So, okay, now you're alerting people who can start looking at the rest of their lifestyle because, I mean, some people who have these issues where, again, I'm not sure what the issues are, but, you know, you can at least alert people to it earlier rather than later because there is some, you know, need for assistance. So whatever's going on, but you want to make sure that people are on top of it. So, yeah, I think it's more about just, you know, giving people these avenues to alert people when you see odd behavior because everyone knows normal behavior and everyone knows what odd behavior and something, you know, off the map is. It's like if you see this thing, you want to make sure this, like, rises to the top of attention. Now, well, I brought it to everybody's attention that Frank Morano comes on at 1 o'clock. He wears these pocket protectors now, and he has lapel pins, which is really odd. But he had an interesting conversation uh, based on uh, a uh, conversation he had with his wife, Rachel. Rachel had read the study that was just published this past week that said that cats could identify their own name. So that if you called your cat's name, and they have three cats, that they they would identify, they would uh, respond to their name. So Frank talked about his three cats on the air. Rachel was at home uh, taking care of Carmine and, and said that the cats responded when they heard their name, each one individually. So like when they mentioned the name of one cat, the cat actually looked at the radio. The other cat, likewise, we have 18 rescue cats in our 328-square-foot apartment on the Upper West Side. In the many times that you call out the names of the cats, do they recognize their names according to this study? I would say they definitely do recognize their name. And, you know, again, I'm not sure if it's like a, just according to maybe the tone that you use in conjunction with the name. But, for instance, like Tuna, Tuna is like, a you know, the most senior cat. Tuna absolutely recognizes, you know, her name when we call her out of nowhere. She'll be across the room. Like, she recognizes the name. So it's like, and it's like, you know, Athena, there's cats, like, the minute you say the name, you know, they, like, sort of, uh, you know, chime up, like, they're ready to go. So I would say it's definitely for sure they, they recognize their names. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. That's 1-800-848-WABC. And then, Achtung, we see that the Germans once again have put their boots down. This time on the necks of feral cats, they have banned outdoor cats. Say it ain't so, Nancy. Say it ain't so. Yeah, so, so their uh, rationale uh, at, you know, for this particular ban is that People who have, I guess, like, you know, either indoor cats or outdoor cats, not having them go outdoors during, uh, you know, like a couple months when certain birds are, you know, in, in the area. Because these are uh, birds that are, you know, sort of, uh, you know, they're uh, not necessarily like there's a, a few of them. So they're in danger of being in extinction. But what's funny is 
one of the things with these birds is like, oh, well, they actually, you know, set up their little nest on the ground level. So it sounds like they're not really super smart. <laughs> so, I mean, I, I get why you don't want to have a, you know, a bird, you know, extinction, but it doesn't sound very wise for, for this bird to be uh, setting up a nest on the ground, you know, if it's already being threatened. Our uh, number is 1-800-848-9222. Let's go to the calls. Christine is calling from the East Village. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour featuring Nancy Sliwa here on WABC, Christine. Hi, Nancy. Thank you for calling on me. Uh, I'm a psychiatric nurse for many, many years, and I've seen a lot. And I know that there have been connections between early childhood abuse, infant rape, and the individual later in life uh, injuring cats or other animals. Uh, I think didn't uh, Jeffrey Dahmer and Charles Manson have some story like that? Yeah. But in this particular case, apparently about this poor cat, the mother of the killer in Buffalo gave him a box to bury it in, so she was well aware that this had happened. And I don't know what is behind that, but I wouldn't be surprised if there was early childhood infant rape or incest or some kind of horrible, because the child is left with rage not knowing where it came from. But this comes out later in life, and that's sort of the thing you might see. And uh, I've been dying to talk to you guys for a long, long time, and I just want to say, Curtis, had you been elected mayor, I would have asked you to implement a sliding scale free clinic in New York for cats because if there was a place where people could take their pets for affordable care, thousands more cats would be adopted. Oh, yeah. In fact, uh, during the campaign, Christine, uh, I had proposed uh, with the help of my wife, Nancy, and some of our animal rights supporters, a snap card. So that if you were indigent or you weren't able to uh, cover a lot of those expenses, rather than surrender your cat, which some people do because they can't afford the incredible amount of expenses that go into uh, maintaining cats and dogs and such, uh, that we would uh, help subsidize that because uh, you want to keep the family together. We view... Uh, cats and dogs and other animals as being part of people's families, as equals Absolutely. in the family, and that it's important as an anchor. In fact, on that note, uh, Nancy, I saw there was a story in the Wall Street Journal, incredible, that people are now spending more money on their cats, grooming, cat psychiatrists, cat cancer specialists, than even dog owners are for the first time that that's ever been tracked. Yeah, I mean, and again, it's like, I mean, my thinking is when people have health insurance and their health insurance covers, okay, their family members, their spouse, their children, is, I mean, there needs to be a, a forward momentum on the fact that your pets, your family members should be equally covered because the reason a lot of animals go without the care that they need to have is because people really can't afford to bring them to the when they have some issue because usually it's like, you know, thousands of dollars out of pocket. It's not affordable. But if someone has health insurance that would cover a child, a spouse, like, well, wouldn't it cover a pet? I mean, this is something that's 
acknowledging reality, what today's society is. Like people who have their pets, they're their family members. And also it would bolster the veterinarian industry, which it should, because there's a lot of animals that just need that sort of help. So it's like, again, the the same way we try to uh, give advice as much as we can, you have to ultimately go to the vet to figure out what's going on. But because, you know, it's a monetary issue, a lot of times you're just trying to figure out, okay, what can I do? Like, how can I help the animals in the interim? And I mean, that shouldn't be the case. Like if you have health insurance, why wouldn't an animal be covered? Like, so again, I think it's a a really good conversation to happen. Our number is 1-800-848-9222. It's our animal welfare edition here on WABC featuring my wife, Nancy Sliwa. Animal rescuer par excellence. Let's go to Alfred, who's calling from Yonkers. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Hour of WABC. Hi, Curtis. Um, I, I just wanted to um, mention that that individual that committed this heinous crime in Buffalo, he, he's just, we, you know, when you serve notice on society like that, and, and, and when I heard what he did to a cat, you know, it just, made, it just sickens me. Because cause I'm, I'm a cat owner, and, and I happen to love animals myself. But, um, you know, it's just, it's just sickening to hear that. And you, you just have nothing but contempt for a person like that. I mean. Well, what was interesting, Alfred, we learned about it, but it didn't become a featured part of the description of this uh, crazed, uh, psychotic killer. Uh, I think it, more attention has to be given. As we talked about Charles Manson, Jeffrey Dahmer, we didn't learn about that till many, many years after their dastardly deeds. In this case, it was almost a sidebar issue. To me, it was a very pertinent issue because... It probably what was triggered uh, into his more uh, heinous behavior towards African-Americans. He was able to do it uh, versus cats. Uh, He killed them. He tortured them. He beheaded these feral cats. And then he had uh, no human sentimentality and escalated it towards uh, killing African-Americans. Well, well, I mean, if if you can torture an animal, of course, you be mean to people also, you know, because... Animals are defenseless. And and then what he did to the 10 people in in Buffalo is just inexcusable. You know, it's just, uh, I, I just, I wanted to ask, if I may, ask you and your wife about, um, you and Nancy about, um, my cat will not go, she will not go in her carrying cage to get her to the vet. I, I want to get her a rabies shot and get her, you know, to her examina- an examination, which, she didn't do this year at all. So I'm having trouble to transport, you know, being able to transport her. What would you suggest, Nancy? Okay, so my suggestion would be, I have two suggestions. One of them is uh, if you have the carrier where it's, uh, you, know, you put the top, you know, on part of like the bottom thing, uh, just leave the bottom part out the top you know, hanging out in the, you know, the, where you're at and then let the cat hang out and, you know, fall asleep and be comfortable and then, you know, sort of like sneak it into that. And then the other thing would be I have um, one vet that I have uh, that does house visits and this vet, you know, comes here. So, you know, it may, maybe if you, you know, find like a, a vet that 
does the house visit type stuff. So that could be a, a, a sweet spot, like having them come home you know, to your place and, and they're good. But I would say like, if you have the little cat carrier, you know, just like have like the top off and then have them, you know, walk in the, you know, the cat carrier. And then once they're comfortable, then you just put the top on and just like close them in. Is that okay, Alfred? That would be wonderful, but I just don't want to force her. You know, like some people say, oh, just throw her in there. No, I can't do that. Oh, no. And and again, and that's why it's like if you do it that way, right, like you just have like the little half of the the carrier where it's like without the top, then the the cat like hangs out and then eventually falls asleep. And and then you just like sneak on top, like, you know, the the top of it. So it's like so it's not like that aggressive because like I understand what you're saying. If you try to force them into an enclosed space, they to, you know they yeah. really get you know concerned. So it's like yeah, that's a way to sneak around. It. Yeah. All right, do I, mean, pre- I don't have the heart to do that. <laughs> well, but but Alfred, you may have to for the benefit of the cat. Of course, I know that's that's the issue I'm having. <laughs> but anyway, I mean, I mean, if I could get a vet that could come to the house, that would be wonderful. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, I mean, I, mean I, I would definitely suggest, like, checking that out online because I found one um, vet, like, you know, uh, near me where when I have, like, uh, you know, like the older cats or the ones that it's, like, you know, it's tough to transport to the, the vet that I know, I have the, yeah. you know, the visiting vet. So it's, like, you know, that that could actually be, a, a you know, a sweet spot for you in that sense. Yeah, that would be wonderful. I mean, she's 11, she's 11, you know, and... She's a tabby. I mean, she's in pretty good health, I think, so far, knock wood. But, I mean, she still needs her rabies shot and everything. Yeah, yeah no, like definitely. Like, it's like, the, like if you have to bring them somewhere, they actually get, like, scared. And, like, you know, they, you know, they really, like, sort of, uh, like, lose their mind because you're transporting them. And it's like, so if you just have someone yeah. come over, it's like, I mean, and again, like, it's actually close in proximity in terms cost is like you know there's a lot of uh vets that visit the homes so you can have someone who comes over and does the same thing you're looking to do yeah it sounds like a plan i mean you know definitely definitely put, I, put I, it put it put, that, put it into action alfred put it into action our number is 1-800-848-9222 that's 1-800-848-WABC WABC the Curtis Sliwa Show presents Curtis's Ark with Nancy Sliwa. Now, with Nancy Sliwa, here's Curtis Sliwa. Wow. I can't believe this. Nancy, you're not going to believe this. Uh, Frank Morano, who uh, has fel- felt it on animal-related issues, he's been pushed to the sideline, and he has has demanded a management that they play like a vignette of his about an animal-related issue. Could you believe this? Well, yeah, no, that sounds a little bit ridiculous, given how many animals we have. Well, we we have to play it. I'm, I'm reading this text right now. So you listen to him talking about animals. I don't know why he's bogarting our Animal Welfare Hour And then let's see if he's making any sense. Seven in ten young adults would rather have pets than children. Now, this is Generation Z. That's the generation after millennials. I think these are people born after 1996. 
five or six. I mean, d- different lists have them different ways. Generation Z, um, many of them don't want to have kids, and a new poll reveals that 7 in 10 of them would rather adopt a pet than have their own children. So Generation Z adults aren't the only ones choosing pets over people. Millennials are as well. In a survey of 1,000 pet owners commissioned by Consumer Affairs, researchers found that 57% of millennials love their pet more than their own sibling. Half of them said the same thing about their mother, and 30% choose a pet over their significant other. Now, I find that hard to believe, honestly. 30% of them love their pet more than their significant other. Overall, 81% of millennial pet owners say they love their pet more than at least one family member. That's not the case with baby boomers. Uh, That's not the case with Generation X. And here's what's interesting. Cat owners were slightly more likely to choose their pet over a relative than dog owners. What do you think that's about? I thought that was pretty interesting. Well, we were forced to play that, Nancy. Uh, Was it worth the time spent on that issue? I mean, it it was was truth. No question about it. It's like I think anyone who has a pet, they realize... That's the way to go because people, there's a lot of uh, responsibilities attached and there's a lot of uh, nuances and headaches. But if you have a pet, it's like very straightforward. So, yeah, that makes sense. Now, question, um, you're, I'm not sure if you're Generation X or a millennial or hipster. I still haven't figured that out. So you think that that is true of both those generations, that they would much rather have pets than kids? I mean, I, I definitely think so because, I mean, not for nothing. Like, I mean, even in theory, if you thought about having a kid and, you know, you're banking on stuff in general, I mean, maybe the, the kid doesn't wind up being what you were expecting and then you were wishing you had a goldfish instead. So, yeah, I, I think it, you're better off having a pet. Wow. Now, this particular story is incredible. Jumping worms have made their way to California. This is not like a Mexican jumping bean, is it? No, no. It's just a particular type of uh, worm that's existing. And it's, and again, like, I'm, I'm, I'm okay with worms. Like, I mean, when I was a kid growing up, I, I really liked the, uh, you know, worms in general. I mean, they're, they're cool. They don't really, you know, move too fast they they're in the the ground and stuff but yeah i mean this is something happening so in california apparently there's a lot of them running around but they're jumping around like a jumping bean what is this like grapes of wrath they left oklahoma (laughs) you know in a pickup truck and they're heading to paradise california what is this I mean, as a worm i don't think you can really jump too far it's like the body's like very long so You know, you can't do too much, but, you know, at least it's making people mindful of the fact. That, and plus, but not for nothing, worms are good. You know, it's like they, you know, they, they create like a good, uh, you know, environment for growing uh, fruits and vegetables and things like that. So worms aren't really a, a bad thing. Like So, so when, when, when you were a young child out there in Bohemia in Suffolk County, you would go out there and play with the worms. You know what's funny? I actually did like worms as a kid. 
I thought they were so cool. It's like I would pick them up and put them in, you know, like a little, uh, you know, uh, like a little cup or something like that. Like I learned as a young person, oh, you can't really just keep them there because, you know, you don't want to dehydrate them and things like that. But, I mean, worms to me are great because they don't move really super fast. I love the fact that they're, you know, sort of like uh, rototilling the, you know, the the environment and things like that. You know, I mean, they're not going to jump on you out of nowhere. I mean, in Long Island, there's a lot of, uh, you know, you know, insects and things like that, where out of nowhere, you could be totally just jumped on and it's like in your hair, in your face, in your whatever. But worms, they're slow. So it's like, you know, I appreciate what they're doing. They're doing a good thing and, you know, they don't really sneak up on you. Well, you know, uh, for years when I did my weekly appearance on New York One until the snowflakes uh, just couldn't deal with my parodies and my my uh, sarcasm, uh, I used to call my partner, Urshan Barrero, a gusano, which is like Spanish for worm. Hey, you are a gusano. Yeah, Hershey's good people. I like him. Yeah, but he was a worm and still is. By the way, <laughs> speaking of worms, while you were playing with the worms out in Bohemia, did you ever come, ever come across praya mantises, which I was told, since obviously I'm a hell of a lot older than you, if you're Generation X, I still don't know how old you are, but when we would come across a praya mantis in the lots in Canarsie in East New York, we were told... Do not harm a praya mantis. It's a federal crime. You could be incarcerated if they find out. That's how serious uh, they made it uh, appear to be to harm a praya mantis. Now I've seen it's gone from don't harm a praya mantis to actually having praya mantises as pets. I definitely um, came across praying mantises. And, and again, it's like when you, you saw them, I mean, they clearly had such a, you know, like, like overall, you're looking at them like, oh, wow, this is like really over the top. Like, they're so beautiful, but it was just interesting. Like, they would come out of nowhere. And again, it's like, so like you said, you, you can't harm them. You can't do anything. They're so, like I said, amazingly on point. Like, there's something so great about them. And it's like growing up in Long Island. You know, I mean, I I would constantly hear all the outdoor sort of, uh, you know, animals and things like that. So it's like, you know, the praying mantis, so that's a, a unique thing to see. They're so beautiful. Like, you know, the last time I saw one was actually in Central Park. I took a picture of it. Yeah, that's like very cool over the top praying mantis. Although I will tell you, I grew up with a lot of psycho boys, crazy Vinny, crazy Sally, crazy Joey. Uh, even they believed that if they had harmed a praying mantis, they could go to federal lockup. I don't know if it was an urban myth, but almost everybody was aware of it. They come across a praying mantis, even if they were driving on asphalt, right? Coming out of the, your, your, uh, let's say your, uh, your garage. You'd see a praying mantis there, you'd stop the way in India they I mean, stop when they yeah, see a it's cow. Such a beautiful, it's such a beautiful creature, like not to dismiss any of the other living creatures, but it's so over the top, you know, you know, really engaging the praying mantis. You can see why you do want to sort of uh, take a step back and admire what, what they are because 
they're really gorgeous creatures. They are. Well, speaking of going over the top, in just a few minutes, uh, I'm going to be really dealing with uh, Dominic Carter. He doesn't think that I uh, that people rat him out on his show. Oh boy, I man, I got the goods on him this time. This sickle fantoni and lackey of Frank Morano. But anyway, before we go there, let's go to Carol calling from Jackson Heights. Your turn to be heard here on the Animal Welfare Edition of WABC, featuring uh, Nancy Sliwa, animal rescuer extraordinaire. Well, thank you very much, Curtis, and hi. I just love both of you and your love for animals because I love them too. Um, and I also love praying mantises. But the reason <laughs> I called, <laughs> but the reason I called, um, somebody else reported that business about the giant worms. And I, if I have the right impression, it said they came from another country, like when they were shipping cargo or something. Would you happen to know where they came from? Because they're not native to us, you know? Well, come on. You know where they came from, Carol. Mexico. They're like Mexican jumping beans. <laughs> oh, are you kidding, really? Well, of course. Uh, when we were kids, you'd see a, a Mexican jumping bean. They had I actually. remember that, sure, because you hold them, warm them up, and right. then the whole bean pod jumps. Right, yeah. and it would pop around, you know, and you'd say, oh, Mexican jumping beans. Now, apparently, uh, Nancy has taken this subject very seriously, and uh, she doesn't see the humor in it. But have you determined what country these, what do they call them, jumping worms came from, Nancy? No, uh, but actually, not for nothing. Like, I mean, I grew up in uh, Long Island in Suffolk County, so I am very well acquainted with a lot of these, you know, different sort of insects and stuff like that. I don't know if you can necessarily discern, like, oh, where these came from. I mean, I grew up, it's like there was uh, earwigs and things like that. There's a lot of things that, you know, you fall asleep at night and you think, oh, you live in the country, it's quiet. No, it's like loud. Like, you hear every insect going. There's so many insects living in the country. So, again, like, whatever's going on here, if some singular insect happened to you know, come into the equation and be shipped from somewhere. Yeah, I'm sure there's a possibility for this to happen. But, I mean, it's true. It's like these insects, like, they have such a, a resiliency to them. So, yeah, who knows where they're coming from. Well, on this uh, one, kid, you got to you gotta trust me. I don't know if you're Generation Y, Z, uh, hipster, millennial. But the jumping worms, uh, it's just an evolutionary uh sort of tail from the Mexican jumping beans to the uh, jumping worms. It's just natural. I, I totally loved um, worms growing up. I loved seeing them, like, go into the soil and ground, like, and, you know, the head's the same on either side. Like, I, t I really like worms, so I don't want to put the blame on the worms. It must be something else. Did you like Hershon Barrero, that gusano, that worm? No, I, I, oh, I, okay, I don't know about that, but I like worms. I like worms. Like, I, I love the fact that, you know, they can, that either side of them can be in the soil. They're very resilient. Like, I have a lot of respect for, you know, the worms. Anyway, let's go to Phyllis, who's calling from New Jersey. Welcome to the Animal Welfare Edition, exclusive to WABC, Phyllis. Uh, good evening. Uh, I'd like to get a little off the subject and uh, say that I was a cat rescuer myself, and 
And uh, if anyone is interested in rescuing a feral cat, are you there? Yes, yeah, yeah. To totally give your info. Oh, okay. Um, I had a female, uh, an older feral cat, and um, her kittens, she had one litter of kittens, and they were sickly and unfortunately passed away within a few days. So I was determined to have her spayed. Uh, as a, the humane thing to do, which I feel most people should do. Uh, so I borrowed a trap, a humane trap, from another rescuer because we were in touch with each other. And uh, this cat was very clever. So <laughs> what I eventually... What I eventually did was at night, it was during the summer, I had to put the trap down and I put very um, tasty cat food in the trap and I left it there overnight and I knew eventually she would venture in there after she checked the trap out. Now, question, Nancy. Have you ever, uh, in your trapping uh, of uh, feral cats, ever put out scrumptious delights, maybe even caviar and sturgeon, and you got no takers where the the feral cat was so... There is definitely a, a, a number of cats that are so savvy that they realize that they're being trapped. And so in spite of the fact that they actually want to have the food, they're smart enough to realize, okay, something's up. So, I mean, but, you know, hopefully at some point they, you know, they sort of, uh, you know, fall in the mix and you get them eventually. But it's just true. It's like the nature of the feral cat is they're smart enough to realize how not to trap themselves and do something that's going to put themselves at risk. So even though you're trying to do the right thing by trapping them to fix them, I mean, the good news is they're smart enough to realize, okay, well, you know, I'm potentially at risk. So, I mean, they're going to be the more difficult ones to find and trap. But I mean, again, it's just the nature of what it is. And then once you do eventually get them at some point, it's like all the behavior just changes because everything that is within them where, again, a, a lot of these um, outdoor cats, they have some degree of uh, human interaction. So whether it's that, you know, they're part of a group, someone's feeding them regularly, it's like unless they're, you know, someone's seeing them randomly every few months, they have some human interaction. And so eventually find them and then if they're part of a group and someone's feeding them that's really the 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 best sort of a scenario that they're part of a group that someone is feeding but they're just the ones who haven't been caught and fixed at this point so you know it, it's it's definitely a a a, a goal to, to make sure you get them and fix them because once that happens, I mean, again, they're very habitual. They stay in the same area. They're in the same community. They know the same cats. So you just have to be very consistent about it. But it's like, 
Yeah, I mean, I mean, some of them are are a little bit difficult, but once you get them, it's like all right, game over. Uh, now, if people want any further information, how can they contact you uh, about animal welfare issues, Nancy? Well, they can uh, email me, uh, Nancy at guardianangels.org. Okay, or go on to guardianangels.org, the website, and hit the tab, Guardian Angel Animal Protection Division, and see all the great work that Nancy and the other Guardian Angel volunteers do when it comes to caring for dogs and cats uh, and other animals who are in distress. And by the way, you have uh, an assignment. You've got homework to continue to do the deep dig on the story that you first brought to the airwaves with breaking news here at WABC about that 18-wheel tractor trailer two months ago in Pennsylvania that turned over where the monkeys that were being experimented on escaped and how there may be some connection to this uh, monkey pox, which is dominating uh, the health care and uh, news headlines involving the latest virus. Yeah, yeah, that connection is like uh, waiting to be seen. Correct. Well, up next, I got a bone to pick with him, Dominic Carter, who is the number one sickle fan, Tony and Lackey, of Frank Morano. WABC. He knows New York. He is New York. Cred that the others don't have. Curtis Lewa. Talk Radio 77 WABC. Well, well, well. Dominic Carter. It's a family affair here at WABC. I took great umbrage to the fact that our other colleague, Bo Snurdly, on his show, Fortified Monday through Fridays, actually said that Earth, Wind, and Fire was better than Sly, Sylvester, and the Family Stone. Well, what do you have to say about that, Dominic? A man wow. who Somebody should confine his singing to the shower stall there in Pomona. <laughs> How many times have I called you out every time you try to you try to act like an R and B crooner here at WABC? <laughs> so that, that's a tough one. Um, Sly in the family stone, as compared to Earth, Wind, and Fire. Exactly. I, I don't want to answer that one. Oh, don't want to pit brother versus brother, no, no, sister no. versus sister. <laughs> no, no, I, 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 neither one of them are really a, my big cup of tea, but okay. I would have to say Earth, Wind, and Fire. Okay. Oh, really? I'm taking that uh, song, uh, that Mac Daddy Man, your theme song, away from you. Oh, for that boy. One. I'm done? Uh, you might be done after this. As you know, I have been urging our listeners to rat out you and Frank Morano on a regular basis, and they have. This handoff that you have with Frank, which is like a love fest, you might as well be swapping spit. It's the Mutual Admiration Society. I mean, I when one of our callers brought to this to my attention, I said, how do you like that? What a fair weather friend Dominic is. Frank Morano, the other side of midnight. Good morning, Frank. Hello, Dominic. So I'm telling you now in advance, mm-hmm. all right? I, mentioned I will not to- invite you to my son's <laughs> breast. <laughs> I, I, I'm working on something. I already oh talked to Marilyn about this. Um, we want you guys, to, you, your wife, the baby, and then we're going to have Rita, and I want you guys to come up to Rockland 
and you know, and we'll we'll Wonderful. sit we'll sit by the pool I, I'm and in. just relax. And so I don't have the date yet, but I'm but, uh, in. Uh, count me in. Whatever date it is, I'm there. And maybe uh, we can give the wives a glass of uh, wine or two. We can head up to the casino. Uh, there the you go. Girls, right? There you go. I'm still I'm still wanting to teach you baccarat. I yeah. keep meaning to bring in the cards. You, you've got you. your geography down pretty yeah. good. There, <laughs> you better believe it. <laughs> I have like a, a homing signal. Whenever I'm near a casino, uh, you know, I start blinking. Uh huh. Uh huh. So. It's a degenerate gambler, Frank Morano. But anyway, I noticed, Dominic, you mentioned Frank Morano, Rachel, Carmine, Rita. But I knew you before any of them. Yes. And you're always the first person that is invited. I have been inviting you to our home for years. And you keep asking me something about the race of the lawn jockey. Well, it's a white, white, (laughs) even the lawn jockey is a white in Pomona. But I will tell you this. I visited you in your previous home, Harlem, USA. Right, right, right. right. I went to the the bookstore in which you were doing a presentation of one of your many great books about mental health issues. Thank you. But you did try to start a fight, as I always say, with the Nation of Islam. Yes. In the middle of Harlem. Right. Outside of Harlem Hospital on a day like today. On a day like today. Hot, sweltering. And nothing but black people. Only black people. (laughs) And the Nation of Islam, they had this big poster of Screwy Louis Farrakhan. You know, and they had their uh, Fruit of the Loom boys. And they were, like, selling their Bialian bean pies and their final call. And I, I went up to them and said, yo, man, give me a Bialian bean pie. And they said, man, we, no, no, man, we don't be dealing with white devils. And you remember, I set it off with them, man. And you were like, you were schwitzing, not from the heat and humidity. You said, I have my wife and my children here. <laughs> Curtis, please, what are you doing? Because we're in the middle of Harlem. On a day where there were only African-Americans present, and you were, like, antagonizing these guys. Yeah, right. And and they were like, oh, that's Curtis. And, you know, and... Not only that, remember, it was even hotter and more humid than yes, today because absolutely. my wool beret was dripping. Yes. With my schwitz, which uh, the brothers there with the Fruit of the Loom boys, uh, the Nation of Islam, Farrakhan's guy said, don't get that, that white poison on me. <laughs> you are welcomed anytime, oh, any really? day, really? and you know that. Now. You know that. You and Nancy, anytime you want to come up, come for a swim, well, well, relax. Know, no, no, you, you and Frank will go to the casino in the Catskills because right. he's a degenerate gambler. <laughs> And Nancy, she's a poker player. She's been up there before. Oh, really? Yeah. We went wow. up there one time before. I don't gamble. I only gamble with my life, as you know. But she is sharp with cards. She was playing up there, and she did quite well. So I got a question for you. Yes. Are you supporting Eric Adams for president? Uh, I want you to hear this cut, because you know me, I do the deep dive. And now you can see what a fake, phony, fraudulent, fugazi this guy is. The other morning, good day, early call, Channel 5, New York. Listen to what Eric Adams had to say. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level. And the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. I want to play this one more time because this was a man who was a cop during the age of crack. 
was a cop when David Dinkins, his friend, was the mayor, 2,000 murders a year, 5,000 unsolved shootings. Listen to what he said as an excuse of why the crime is out of control in his administration. I have never in my professional career, I have never witnessed crime at this level and the willingness to carry guns and the willingness to use a gun. There is no comparison between the crime we're having now and the crime we had back in the 80s. Correct. Why would he make such a ridiculous statement like that, particularly since he's always prided himself, you know, I was a cop back then. I I don't know. I guess he's focusing on the presidential campaign. Yeah. Hey, hey, but guess what? I'm going to say this, and it may not sit well with you, and it may not sit well with some of our listeners. If he can get crime under control, it's a big if. He could be a viable candidate for president. I know you've said that, but the uh, swagger man has no plan dealing with crime. Wait, wait, who's the swagger man? Uh, Eric Adams. <laughs> Never had a plan. Never had a plan. You call them the swagger man? The swagger man. Yeah, because he says it's all about the swagger. It ain't about fighting crime. And I'll tell you, I've been saying, and you know this, that he was telling fundraisers he was running for the presidency in the Democratic primary, although he said it was a 10-year plan. And then against me, when he was raising money, a 10-year plan. But the moment he, like the rest of America, realized that uh, President Joe Biden was a bit uh, mashug, he all of a sudden said 10 years becomes four years. So, hey, uh, Eric Adams is for sale. Wine me, dine me, pocket line me. Yeah, I'll run. For the president of the United States, but I need dead presidents first. Show uh, me are, the money. Are you coming up to the house? Let me think about it. I love you, because man. Then I'll have to call Beyonce out. Right, my cat. That you name a white cat that you name <laughs> Beyonce, and we're going to have to do a animal psychiatric session with you and your animals, who have to be as confused as I am about why you named them the way you did.